Welcome to As the Wheel of Time Turns, where we unravel the weavings of Amazon's Wheel of Time. Yay! I am BJ. I'm your Nibliss. I am joined by some of my chosen co-hosts. Uh, Brie, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, a little bit scary in her very uh, red Aja garb today. Um, yeah, watch out, Lee. <laughs> uh, the men here are, are a little uh-oh. nervous. Uh-oh. Um, luckily, we have Sarah, who's a little less... Uh, Miss Andrus. I am I am just road-worn, having come in with the Tinkers on the last <laughs> caravan uh, this afternoon. So um, other than that, though, I'm doing pretty well. That's great. And Lee, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. This is a great episode. Excited to talk about this. And I'm in a Star Wars shirt. Why? Because we're going to be talking about the Force today. Ladies uh, and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about the Force. Well, yes. crossover. <laughs> I, I'm excited to get into it. Um, crossover so, you never knew you needed. Uh, well, we'll see if we get any force jokes. Um, so, uh, we have a couple segments that we do. Uh, part one is TV spoilers only. So, we're going to do uh, a deep dive into uh, this week's episode of uh, Wheel of Time, brought to you by Amazon Prime. Uh, okay, roll your eyes at me. Um, this week was The Dragon Reborn. And uh, so first we are going to start out with the recap that is done by Lee. Then we're going to do Tavern of the Week, which uh, Brie will be uh, the decider on. And then uh, Gleeman's Corner, where we go through the uh, best quote or uh, dialogue of the episode. And then on to uh, some novices' notes, maybe some questions uh with lee and possibly sarah as we, as we get further into this but probably not this season um and uh right now my favorite of our segments dragon power rankings dragon power which, rankings shake up this week which uh th- this week was a was <laughs> big a big shake week up. for it um and then we'll go on to part two which is uh where things fit in the book so that has a lot of book spoilers and things like that so uh tune in for that but I'm excited to get to the recap. This was this was a serious episode. So this was. I want to start with just some general comments. So first off, um, you, so you mentioned it's an Amazon Prime series. Does come off on Amazon. I've noticed that in at least my Amazon interface, it's saying it's the number one show on Amazon right now. That's how they're marketing awesome. yep. it. So seems to be pretty successful right now, mm-hmm. which makes me very happy because this episode ruled. This episode, like the first three, clearly I was excited. Clearly I was getting into it. This one locked me in. Like there were multiple, t- like here's how I know when a show is good. When I pause it because I'm like savoring it so much, I don't want it to end. <laughs> I did that with this. I paused it multiple times. Like, all right, I, I got to take this in because I don't want it to end really quickly. So I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I thought this was the strongest episode so far. I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. With that, let's jump into the recap. Let's do it. Okay. Season one, episode four, The Dragon Reborn starts with Gelden. I know how to pronounce that because Moraine taught me. Gelden. <laughs> And there's clearly a battle going on, and we see the king. I can say this about the king. Could use more men. Not a heavily armed (laughs) king. I'm used to kings with more men. But yeah, not a lot of men. Uh, He's got maybe two or three guys with him. He's injured, and he's running. His guards stop and turn around, and we see the guy who, in the last episode, right at the smash cut into the last episode, the other Aes Sedai had caught this guy. And... They said he was going around proclaiming himself to be the Dragon Report. So we see this guy. So this is clearly a flashback to before he was captured when he was, I guess, marching on Gelden. And they turn around and the guy's fire spears right at him. And he uses the one power to knock them away. It's the first time we see him use the one power in this episode. It's not the last. What I think we're meant to take from this is this dude's pretty 
pretty damn strong in the one power. Like it's it's we get it right away and it just builds through the episode. Yep. Uh, our understanding of how powerful this guy has gotten. So there's something else with the way in which he uses the power. So if you notice, he's very different from Maureen, who is the other very strong channeler that we've seen. Is right. he doesn't use any hand motions, mm-hmm. and so he doesn't need his hand hands to channel. That's a really good point. I hadn't yeah. thought of that. So yeah. if he gets caught by one of those white cloaks, I, first off, I don't even know I, TV guy only. I don't even know if the white cloaks care about him. They seem to not like the ice to die, right? But if they cut his hands off, maybe he could still channel. I don't know. He does seem to be channeling a little bit differently than how Moraine does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I see a lot more black kind of up and around him and Yeah, swirling. they've made yeah. it look very different, which I thought was pretty cool. And it's unclear to me um, if, you know, that, like, what what exactly the black in his, in how they're visually portraying his channeling, what exactly that is meant to represent, whether it is the taint or whether it is a kind of different... They're going with the, the corruption. So okay. so we're moving away from the taint okay. because... The Fair. dark one's taint. Mm. Fair. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was cringing at the use of that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, okay, corruption. That's yeah. that's good. I was I, yes. worried getting it out of my mouth in the first place, but yes. um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm happy to do that. Okay, right. so that so the black okay. that you're seeing around... Because, uh, I mean, obviously, one of the things the show is struggling with, or not maybe not struggling with, but they had to tackle at some point, is how to show the one power. Yes. Right? And they're doing it by literally just showing, like, flowing and motion and, like, mm-hmm. things coming out of him. And his is, his is more black. His also looks, like, big and more demonstrative. Like, he's, like, I don't know, exercising it in a much more, like, like a kind of a flex and powerful way than what I've seen Moraine do before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the king tells him, you'll never wear the crown. And he says, what does a crown mean to the dragon reborn? The king looks up and says, you really believe it, don't you? And then he explains, the Aes Sedai will come for him. During this scene, we should get the uh, the the first person of the dragon, uh, and and we get the voices that he's hearing, mm-hmm. right? So he's hearing voices in his head. I'm going to tell you this: when he started right out with the the power, and he's clearly got the king rocked, and he's taken over Gelden. I thought mm, moving up the dragon power rankings, and then when mm-hmm. I heard the little talking in the back of his, I was like, uh oh, trouble! That's trouble! <laughs> That's yeah. not good for my guy here. Not good for uh, this this character. The quote dragon says the Aes Sedai should be following him. Uh, do we know his name yet? Do we know this guy's uh, name yet? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, if sad. you if you pause it, like you have the X-ray that tells you who it is, but um... I think the only way that we even sort of know it is that we did get a reference at some point in the first three episodes to exactly. Logan is gathering power. Logan, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, okay. we, like, we have heard the name. Because in my notes, I've got a quote dragon because I didn't yeah. have his name yeah. at this. point. I think we can use right. his name at this. Okay, point. Logan, yeah. uh, Logan. Uh, to, so. Loghain tells the king the Aes Sedai should be following him, not fighting him. Quote, but they are afraid. Afraid the dragon will break the world again. Throw you back thousands of years, just like the last one did. Beat, beat. They forgot the dragon is just as likely to save the world as to break it. Mm-hmm. So this guy clearly has a, a messiah sort of complex. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's he's here to save everybody. They did make him look like like renditions of jesus like they did make him yeah. look jesus-y like yeah jesus-y yeah um and he also sort of has a really calm demeanor yes. as he's walking through death and destruction he's just like no nah, i'm chill like nothing's Fairly sure i would to too yeah. yeah he was looking yeah and like spoiler we get that he continues on that throughout the rest of the episode like yeah. that yeah. is just Very his chill. deal right yes. yeah um, so i do have ahead. a question for you so you said you think he is mad but we, we saw a representation of what a man channeling who is mad, what the madness looks like, right? With the other, like, physical representation of the man. 
So I think it's really interesting to think if this is madness, it's looking a lot more ephemeral, ephemeral and like made of the one power than the, the first guy was. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're going for, what they're trying to do is make you confused about if this guy's really mad or not. Yeah. Like, because it looks different than, than the last time we saw. And like, he also is talking back and like fighting back against them in a mm-hmm. way, which I thought is kind of interesting. So the dragon is hearing a name called Alusha. Um, I got that from the subtitle. Yeah. Alusha. And she's telling him that he doesn't need to convince the king of anything. Quote, he's beneath you. Kill him. He speaks back. You would like that. So apparently he has this back and forth with this this voice that he's hearing. The king says, you've gone mad already. So there you go. Like, I mean, I think kind of in that vein of like, well, when men use the one power, eventually they get corrupted. Eventually they go mad and he tries to stab him. Then Loghain uses the one power to stop the king, hold his hand, drops the dagger, puts him to one knee. And then he hears he'll betray you just like your parents. So Loghain got a little bit of needing a little bit of time on the couch with the therapist <laughs> yeah. as well. Just like your sister, none of them understand who you are, what you're going to be. Uh, the grip around the king loosens and his wounds heal. And then we hear Loghain say, there's a place for anyone by my side, even my enemy, the last dragon, even my enemies. The last dragon broke the world, but I plan to bind it. So shout out to this guy. Didn't listen to whatever these voices are. You, I, I think they're voices in his head, but I don't think it's meant to be particularly clear at this point in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he does push back on that and he saves the king and he even hands the king back his dagger, arms him again. Yep. So can I ask a question? Did you all read when in that, in that moment when Loghain is using the one power to turn the dagger away from him, am I the only one who thought that there was a split second where he was turning it back onto oh, the oh, king, yeah. that it was not just, hey, drop this, get it away from me, yeah. but that it was going back towards him at one point? Okay. The, yeah. There was a decision made. Yeah. That, that okay. There, you know, no, I'm not going to kill him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that I want to uh, mention, and I don't know if you caught, but... Uh, Bree mentioned the sort of ephemeral nature of the corruption that we saw. So the two heads on either shoulder. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like the two devils rather than, you know, a devil and an angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, both saying, yeah. 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 The angel actually seems to only be coming from within himself, yeah. which is interesting. Which I think also, it's very cool. I think they make Loghain a t- character that you're like, he must... He must have something good in him. Yes. Right? Oh, for like sure he does. Absolutely. There. Absolutely. It's a very strong character. Yeah, I mean, he pushes back not just on the voices, not just on the two things or whatever he, he has in him, but also, like, they're they're drawing on his past pain yeah. in, mm-hmm. in, in pushing him to commit, like, murder on the king, and he still doesn't do it. So there is something obviously good in him. This is the point where I texted the three of you, shake up in the dragon power rankings. <laughs> I thought we really might, I thought we really might have to, to change up He's the dragon rankings. Here, uh, we cut to the credits. So this is four minutes and 20 seconds of the opening scene before we get the, the uh, credits and the, the opening sequence. That's long for a show like this, four yeah. minutes and 20 seconds. But I will say it was a very good cold opening scene. Mm-hmm. It really yeah. set the tone because I th- I kind of thought this dragon, this guy that they caught in the last episode would be sort of a tangential character. No idea that we would get like basically an episode just about his arc. And that's, mm-hmm. yeah. that's uh, clearly what they're establishing. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I l- and we'll see if they change this up. But they're doing longer cold opens for this. And I've liked it so far mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. It- except for episode one, um, which has reasons that it might have been rough like that. But 
I'm sort of curious if they'll continue or, you know, maybe slim it down a little bit as they move on. I think the other thing that's nice about this opening, too, is it gives you even more sense of what the world is. Like, we get a city now that, or a castle, that is not dead like mm-hmm. Shadow and Logoth, but is an active, big city. Yeah, we haven't really seen that yet, which is, um, and I'm excited to get more of that, too, as we go as we go through the series. And I wonder if that's going to be every cold open, because I feel like every cold open has been a, here's a little bit more of the world, Mm. as opposed to where the main part of the episode is focused, but like it feeds into the story. For sure. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, And this one was definitely that and also a flashback. So we leave the credits. We cut to some sort of camp and Nynaeve is looking over it from a small overlook area. So she seems like near the camp watching it, but kind of separated. We see Lan walk up and we see some red Aes Sedai standing there. One of them is the one we saw in episode one. That is Leandrin. Mm-hmm. Leandrin, yep. Leandrin. And then we see a tent where Moraine is and she's being healed by an Aes Sedai who is in green. We learn her name is Kareen. Kareen? Is that Kareen? Kareen. Yeah. Uh, and she heals Moraine, but she does it like in the way that like I finish like a 25 minute hard workout. Like that sort of like, uh, like. That yeah. wasn't that was, had a, was a little hard, but I, I could keep going. But like right. I felt that. Yeah. You know? And Moraine is pretty confused about this. Did do you notice quickly here that she still had a scar? Moraine? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um and so previously, most of the times when we've had healing, there hasn't been a scar. Okay. Um is there a, anything we should I just think it's interesting. So this could that? be some like Talking a little bit more about how Karini is doing at this point of time, and maybe like her being ha- having had a couple of rough days, uh, and you'll probably talk a little bit more of that, uh, is affecting her healing um, because mm. it's probably not the poison because Tam had the, a similar uh, poison issue from the the Trolloc blade, and that was what looked like completely healed. I was just wondering if it was possibly because the Trolloc poison has been in her for so much longer also than it had in Tam. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, think that's I feel like, but I, I do feel like we're not meant to know mm-hmm. um, kind of what's going on with that yet. But in any case, Moraine is healed. And the person who healed her is in green mm-hmm. and Moraine obviously in blue. Mm-hmm. And Moraine's like, kind of looks at her like, hey, what, uh, you've held back armies. Healing one wound shouldn't have strained you. And... Karini's like, it hasn't. He has. So Moraine says she wants to meet the false dragon. Cut to them walking there, and Karini is explaining that he may be false, but he has thousands following him. She then explains that only Leandrin, uh, Elena, and I are strong enough to shield him from using the one power. Even then, we have to work in pairs. Mm -hmm. So apparently, they're using their abilities to shield him from using the one power. That's kind of how they're keeping him there as a prisoner, I guess. Mm -hmm. And motherfucker's strong. He's real strong. Yeah. Uh, more strong than they were anticipating, it seems. It yes. seems like they're a little blown back by his power at yeah. this point. Um, it's unclear if they didn't expect him to be, be that strong or if they've lost him, I said I, along the way. Mm. You know, like, we run into the White Cloaks, obviously the White Cloaks are preying on any I said I they find, mm-hmm. but would not take on this kind of size of group. Um, or if they lost some, like, during the capture or something. Because, like, four, well, three... Strong Aes Sedai for Logan is is clearly not enough, even though I have they have you know like seven full sisters. But I'm sure they've really lost some folks, yeah. yeah but it powered. it does seem like there's a bit of like talk and shop going on yeah. here with Moraine. Like, hey, just be prepared. 
Mm-hmm. I think he's false too. I'm with you. Still with you, Moraine. But but watch out. He packs a punch. Yeah. And it's you know, it could be a problem. Moraine walks into the cave where Leandrin and Elaine are sitting in a chair. I love this like how they've staged this whole thing. Because Logan is in this like weird looking cage. It looks like they built it just for him. Yeah. It's like got him he's he looks like he's in a meditative position, but what we learn later is that he's kind of locked into it, mm-hmm. or at least we think he's locked into it. And Leandrin and Elena are having to look sit there and look at him and like use a significant amount of their like concentration to keep this guy uh from using the one power and and like shield it or blanket it or whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> Lorraine asks if she can uh if he can hear and Elena says uh makes a joke says hello to you too and Leandrin says they plugged his ears with weaves of air so I guess he they're thinking he can't hear at this point we'll we'll talk about that later if we think he can or not Moraine says she heard he conquered half of Gildan and had the king himself at his back Moraine how did you get to him Leandrin a plan after your own heart we crept into his camp and shielded him as he slept uh a little army uh, uh, uh and she then she says half his army ran home to their mothers after that so I think we're I think Leandrin was making a joke there right but we also learn a little bit about what she thinks about Moraine. A plan after yeah. your own heart. Mm-hmm. We went in there and we just shielded him. As opposed to maybe what Leandrin wanted to do, which is came in there, kicked the shit out of him, took all the force power out of him, and sent him home to his mom scared. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of seemingly what Leandrin wants to do yeah. in every situation. And probably head on too, not in the dark of night. Yeah, absolutely. So then we have... Uh, what happened after this? Moraine says, uh, let's hope so. Talking about the army. Let's hope they ran home to their mm-hmm. mothers. Moraine kind of, what we get in this episode, she's a critical thinker. Yeah. Finger on the pulse. Yeah, she's yeah. a critical thinker. She's like, well, you, you say that they went home, but do, you know, we don't have a lot of evidence to that, et cetera, et cetera. Moraine then asks about the madness, and how far he is. Leandrin says he's the same as any man who can channel worse even. So they clearly think that he, you know, is going mad a bit. He proclaimed himself the dragon and tried to march in the tower. And we don't need a trial to met out the proper punishment. So, so I would say she's spicy. Yes, yeah, she's spicy. But I think the worst even isn't talking about the madness. It's talking about not only he is he a man who can channel, which is bad enough. He also p- proclaimed himself the dragon reborn, rather than his madness is worse than other times that we've seen. Yeah, he's just, he's the same as any man who can channel. Worse even because he's proclaimed himself the right, dragon. Exactly. That's yeah. your read on it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, fair enough. Uh, either way, I mean, I, I think that she's of all. We have this sort of spectrum, right? We have Moraine who's like, eh, maybe we should talk to him. We have Elena who's like, maybe we should just put him in a cage and wait until we get back to Tower to yeah. Amelin so he can deal with him. And then we have Leandrin who's like, we should kill this motherfucker right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like that's kind of the the spectrum that we're dealing with here. So I suppose uh, Corinna then says that Amarlin Seat commanded them to bring him to the tower for trial. So I suppose that Amarlin Seat is some sort of governing yes. body of the Aes Sedai. We find out later maybe it's a single person is what it's it seems like. Person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who maybe is like the Aes Sedai like governor or something, leader, whatever. Yeah, the head of the group. Sure. Um, she will decide what he deserves. So she, single, mm-hmm. Amarlin Seat, single, what he deserves, not us. Moraine then looks back and sees Karini starting to release some of her hold on him. Not quite sure what she was doing here, but Moraine says she's regained enough power and she can share the burden. Leandrin, quote, that's Moraine for you, selfless to a fault. 
Karini uh, says they can't afford any gaps in the shield. Boy, do we learn that to be true later. <laughs> Holy moly. Understatement of the episode. So Leandrin will wait to drop her shield until Moraine's in place. Then we see Moraine create the shield. Pretty ballish stuff that she's doing with the hand. But she. But to your point, BJ, it's very hand-centric. Seems that every time she uses the one power, it seems to be flowing or working somehow through her hands. But she does. Moraine puts the shield on him. And then we see Leandrin sort of Ugh, like it, her body just drops like 33%, right? Yeah. And then you see a little bit of the shield kind of come off of uh, Loghain, and it looks like they've done the transfer. Mm-hmm. Anything mm-hmm. we want to talk about in this scene? Um, so I think what was happening is uh, Karina was uh, scheduled to go on and take over from Leandra, and so she was starting to do that, and Moraine stepped in and was like, hey, like I see that you've been, you're a little tired. Like This has been wearing on you. We already talked about this, so like I'll step you in. Already heal, or you yeah, heal me, so exactly. And Leandrin's like, yeah. well, that's kind of stupid because yeah. you just literally left death. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. you're not exactly. really the one sharing the burden here, right, but exactly. typical Moraine. Uh, you know, we're kind I of do getting love that, that Leandrin is getting a bunch of pot shops off at Moraine. Like, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. and like you would sneak in and do it like this. And oh yeah, you're so selfless. Like, she really... But also, interesting, and, and this is sort of what's sort of prototypical of Aes Sedai, is they should be very sort of even-keeled, and Moran's just like, I'm not I'm not even going to play with this. Like, I, I just don't care about you enough. Um, and so the, the one thing that, that I will say um, is Alana, like, the entire time has this, like, little smile mm-hmm. on her face, and, and it, it, it's a very funny, like through line of her personality that I think sort of we get throughout this episode. I will have more to say on that later. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But one thing I do want to point out is that when Moraine puts the shield on, it looks like she's like flinching. Like she's like, like there's like some real work that she's doing here. And Leandrin goes, do you feel it now? That's all. She reminds her that's only half his power, what you're dealing with right there. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because, like, as much as she was told about what his power actually is, it just didn't sing. Like, it, she couldn't internalize it because, like, they've never really dealt with this before either. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's clear that Moraine is is a little. T- I mean, that's that's all we're building to, right? In the first, like, maybe third of this episode with these scenes, is a lot of the Aes Sedai just sort of like astonished at how strong this guy is. They can hold him, at least they think they can, mm-hmm. but. They're surprised. Mm-hmm. And so the other thing I will say is that we also get the tidbit that Moraine's never done this before. She's yeah. done a lot of other things in the world, presumably, but she hasn't been part of a group that takes in a man that can channel, that is shielded a man. So there are things that, that she's not aware of in the world and hasn't doesn't really know about. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're getting... One thing I really like about this episode, I'll talk about it through, through the episode, is... You get the dynamics of the Aes Sedai. So this is something in my, my theory section last week. I think I'm nailed. Going to give myself yep. a little credit. <laughs> yep. High five myself. Uh, <laughs> that we get the dynamics of the Aes Sedai, right? And that there's some politics involved with it. And they, they don't, yep. they're not all like monolithic. Yeah. And yes. we start to get, so my favorite character, can shout out, give me a t-shirt, already on the hill, Moraine. We get to see how people feel about her. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're getting a lot of that little, like, little tidbits of how they, they feel about Moraine. And what I've, I've taken from from at least what we get so far and what we get later in the episode is she's not necessarily, I mean, she's an insider, I guess, but not like an insider's insider. Like they, they do talk about her like, ah, typical Meringue sort of out doing her own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, something mm-hmm. to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to Stefan, new character, also a warder. Stefan, 
He and Lan are training and catching up, doing a little gossip, and Lan asks about the Amarillo seat. Stefan, still seated. Not any fonder <laughs> of Moraine, though. Not any fonder of Moraine, though. I heard her threaten to fetch you two home personally. So, mm-hmm. again, this is what I was talking about, is right there, Stefan, in his just little gossip with Lan, discloses to the audience that Moraine might even be on the outs with the Amarillo seat. Yeah. So... I don't think she's like an outsider to the Aes Sedai. She's clearly an Aes Sedai, but right. some problems there with the internal politics. There's a lot going on. Absolutely. Notice that Lan is wielding a sword, and he actually has, I think he maybe has two swords on Just on one, yeah. Uh, I thought he had two. Yeah. He has one on his back. Yep. Okay. He, did, he doesn't have a, a second sword or a dagger or anything? No. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, maybe I'm wrong about that. But Stefan's wielding two battle axes, uh, which is pretty badass. I guess maybe warders have... Whatever weapon weapons they like, that yeah. they like, exactly. Stepin said he doesn't understand Lan's choice of traveling companion, companion, and Lan says she's not a companion, barely company, which I find really funny. Yeah, um, in, in referencing, they're, so they're looking at Nynaeve when when this goes down. Yes, so it's referencing Nynaeve like staring down at everybody else. Probably stubborn as a mule too. <laughs> Nailed Stepin, it. Stepin got that one right. <laughs> They see, they see Karini and Stepan uh, walks up to her. So I think uh, Karini and uh, Stepan are matched up, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's her warder. Yep. yep. Cut to Stepan and Karini. Talk, I'm going to call it Karini. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm just going to say it. Cut to Stepan and Karini talking. So they're in a tent. They're together. No one else is there in the scene. Stepan says, if you're not careful, Marine will win her over. I have nothing but respect for Marine Sedai is what she says after. So basically like, she's like, you know, you, you're kind of getting in with Marine here. Mm-hmm. She might win you over. She's like, well, look, don't, you know, I, I have respect for her, even though I guess maybe they have some, some differences. Well, I'm sure your shift together will pass quickly then. Creamy, even if we had something in common, I'd never know it. It's hard having a conversation <laughs> with someone who won't say anything. So again, more backstory on Moraine. They kind of see her as a bit of a stiff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which actually, like, we start to learn over the course of this episode, seeing so many more Aes Sedai, she is a little bit of a stiff. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I think it's a really yeah. important thing for them to focus on. Yeah. Because... Uh, just me walking cold into this story, I just assumed also I said I were like that. Yeah. I thought they yeah. were all, because they, they're kind of magical, they harness this power. I thought mm-hmm. they would all be like very little personality, very bland, very mission driven. Not necessarily the case. Some of yeah. them get down with get down. And we see that later. <laughs> <laughs> That's it how I put it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so then... Stefan makes a joke and says, well, Lan's just as bad as she is. Can you imagine their dinners? Which we've seen their dinners, or at <laughs> yeah. least some, something close to that. They're it is wrong, pretty no. boring. They, they're right there. Uh, she laughs. He's drinking, by the way. I'd like to point out that he is, he's drinking during this scene. Uh, it looks like he's drinking alcohol, too, because he's kind of like loosey-goosey with it. Leandrin is gaining traction with the others. She assures him that they won't gentle Logan without a trial. Quote, rumor has it the Reds have been doing that. Just to, just the, the Reds have been doing just that across the countryside. This is what Stefan is communicating mm-hmm. to Karini. Mm-hmm. So basically what Stefan is saying is, hey, look, scuttlebutt around here is that she just wants to take this guy out. Karini's yep. like, that's not going to happen. I'm like, trust me. He's like, well, you say that, but apparently she's been doing it around the countryside. Mm-hmm. And we know she has. Yeah. The very yep. first yep. scene of the entire show is her doing just that. Yep. What we learn now is that maybe... Maybe she wasn't... It's a little off the reservation. Exactly. Maybe she didn't have full authority to be doing that. And, you know, when we saw that scene, we should go back and talk about that opening scene now based on what we know in this episode. Because when we first saw that, I assumed she was killing the guy because I didn't know any better. Right. Now I know she was gentling him. Yep. Yep. This guy who was clearly commanding the one power because he had the madness and he was talking to it. We saw all that. And I think now what we're supposed to infer from that is maybe she was uh, a little extrajudicial in, in handing out that punishment. Right. Yeah. And also, 
One other thing to mention is that was all reds. Mm-hmm. All reds. Absolutely. Yeah. And one, you know, what I think is so interesting is the way that they're drawing comparisons between the reds and the questioners with the children of the light. Um, but, you know, the questioners seem to have the children of the light behind them, more or less. The greens, who I think are kind of, were meant to draw some parallels between their relationship to the reds as well, are not not quite so on board with the, well, let's right. just... Yeah, I mean... Gentle all the men we come across. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that there's sort of that similarity. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there, and... there is an interesting sort of parallel going on right. there, but where we get those distinctions are what make it so interesting. But the, the one other main difference, I would say, between those two scenes is the presence of outsiders. And so I would guess that if the Aes Sedai were around other people and there was maybe some discomfort of, mm-hmm. of the greens or the blues to, to what the reds were doing, you wouldn't actually get the, well, you know, they were, you know, kind of doing things that they shouldn't have been doing. It would have been probably maybe a little bit more like the the questioners and the white cloaks where it's just like, okay, well, they do things differently, but that's fine too. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. it would have been a little bit more of a closed front. Yeah. Sure. And yeah, and that's, you know, the difference between the scene with the questioner and the children of the light in when they were talking to Moraine. Exactly. And when they had already captured um, right. and cut off the hands of the of the other um, Aes Sedai, right? So we see both yep. of those as well. Right. Yep, for sure. Great, great conversation. So Karini says Leandrin won't cross the Amarillan Sea. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, Thepin says, well, the Amarillan Sea, Amarillan isn't here. And then that kind of gets a pause and a beat and a look from Karina where she kind of knows where he's going. Like, well, if, if that if the Amarillan seat's not here to dispense police justice us. and police us, who knows what she's going to do? And then he says, right. well, you need to. He's going to tell her, you know, like, mm-hmm. you need to relax. You need to get some sleep. And she cuts him off and says, I'll get some rest. You worry more than you used to. And he says, I sleep less. Uh, so I have more time. The, the end of that, I think, is just a little banner to show you that while these two are talking politics, they are close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's just reinforcing that bond between the warder and the Sedai that, that like that isn't something that's unique to Moraine and Lamb. Yes. It, mm-hmm. Like that closeness and that banter and, and sort of everything else is is a commonality. Well, and and well, we the do banter, <laughs> the banter is seemingly unique to them at this point. I never saw that between Moraine and Lamb. So, uh, so we got we got a couple. Yeah, we got it could be warmer. Uh, like we like land isn't as Funny and and banter. It's not land that I'm that I'm pinpointing. That. <laughs> oh, it's Moraine. It's Moraine. But I think I, I I have theories on this. But anyway, we'll keep going. But I, I do like that in in and throughout this episode where we are also seeing getting to see like multiple instances of how close the bond between the Aes Sedai and the Warder is. We also get to see how different. Yeah. that can take shape sometimes right. real differently but how differently that can take shape between right. between those two individuals right. which is pretty cool absolutely i'd like to announce here to uh you guys the audience everyone having a tinker party everybody come <laughs> over we're doing the tinker party let's cut to the tinkers i love the tinkers they're just partying all the time uh we see a she's walking up to perrin and uh, she asks how he slept he says i didn't i don't trust these people i'm gonna pause here of all the people I've seen, obviously, obviously, other than Moraine, who got my heart. Uh, I trust the Tinkers more than any of these fucking people <laughs> at this point. It's, Perrin is not reading this situation correctly in my mind. They seem to be the most, like, sort of normal. And, like, by the way, they just say, kind of saved your life a little bit, Perrin. Mm-hmm. Like, just a tad bit. So, uh, but, but I would say, like, a lot of people have certain reactions to just people in the world that are just 
always nice and, and like have that like flat niceness then it's like what's really going on yeah it's like you like you you <laughs> not not you not you parent you bj you no, do no, that yeah yeah you do that too i know i know exactly what you're talking about like maybe that's just how parent operates in the world like if somebody's like hey man why don't you have some of my supper? Parents like, what do you want from me? Like that reaction, right? <laughs> like that's sort of like, well, what do you, what you know? What do you want? Like you know, that's sort of like always looking at the like, well, what's your motivation here? Uh, she tells him, if either of us feels like we should go, we go. No questions. All right. I'd like to point out something in these scenes. Egwene does a lot of unnecessary touching of Perrin. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> it's Define, a lot of hand yeah, on the shoulder. Unnecessary. I mean, he he he's a big dude. He's a good looking dude. I like. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, Extracurricular touching of Baron, we might say. And then we enter contestant number three in the Green Seepstakes, and that is my man Aram comes up and uh, tells them that if uh, it, that we're going west, and if you, you can join us if you like to, um, as long as you can stand us, which you know, he's always self effacing, this guy Aram. He seems to understand that the Tinkers have their quirks and he's fully aware of them and mm-hmm. he's willing to talk about them openly. Perrin questions him and says, Well, what? You're just gonna bring us along with you. Whatever bandits, Aram. <laughs> you don't you don't mess with this guy because he can fire right back at you. He says, "Well, you were wandering the Carolina Plain without food or gold. If you're bandits, you're pretty bad at it." <laughs> very very solid point here from Aram. Uh, am I pronouncing his right name right? Aram. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like this guy. A lot. Aram. Aram. Yeah, like I'm a big fan. Aram. Yeah. I like yeah. Him. On the on the like let, we have the dragon power rankings. We also have the Lee's power rankings of just people I like. Moraine number one with a bullet all the time. Aram creeping up. This guy is a strong <laughs> episode. Yep. Yep. So, I find him very charming. I think it's actually kind of funny because every time I see him now, I think of he looks a little bit like Brendan Fraser. Oh, okay. Like Young looks, Brendan Fraser, yeah. yeah, with the hair and, and stuff. So too. it just makes me giggle every time he like looks a certain way, and you're like, oh my god. And that'll, you know, that'll warm my 90s heart. Yeah, I'm good with that. Know, and you know on Amazon you can pause it and it'll give you the name of the, the people and it gives yeah, you yeah. like their little like IMDb like headshot or whatever. Yeah. This guy's like a stupidly good looking guy in real life. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's good looking in the yeah. show, but like that little shot of him, I was like, yeah, fuck you. Like, <laughs> God, you look too good. But anyway. It's, it's so funny because he's described that way in the book. I mean, he's he's like so good looking that all the girls just trip over their feet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Talk about yeah. him okay. being pretty in, yeah. the, in the books. Yeah. And, and like, I, I don't think that this is he, a bad choice for the actor. Yeah, I was going to say, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That all, that all tracks mm-hmm. because that's exactly what I'm getting mm-hmm. is, uh, just watching it, right? He says, it's not often villagers come down from the mountains of mist at Queen. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, actually, we're from Whitebridge. <laughs> Whitebridge. And he goes, hmm, is that so? Elia? 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 Isla? Ila? Ila? I don't know. Yeah. I would like to just pause here for a second and say one of the things everyone in the world who has read the books was so excited about in getting the TV show was learning how to pronounce the names or at least have a standardized version of how to pronounce the names has not happened yet. Not will not them. happen by the end of this season. Not, not every name, that's for sure. I mean, I only know this lady's name because of the subtitles. But yeah. it's, uh, let's just do let's just do Ila right now, okay? Okay. Ila? Sure. Uh, until they tell me different, I'm going with Ila. Uh, anyway, this is this is Aram's grandmother. This is mm-hmm. what we're yep. I will say this with the casting. That's his grandmother. Years have been kind to her. She looks very young to be a grandmother. <laughs> she looks very good. This or actress. Or she started quite early. Um, mm-hmm. I believe uh, she makes some noise, and off the tinkers go, and we get a great drone shot of their caravan. It's not huge, but it's not small either. We mm-hmm. probably get five or six wagons here. Maybe a, I'm going to estimate seventy-five to a hundred people. Sounds pretty, about right. pretty, yeah. pretty cool shot that they they gave us there. I mean, that's something that that starts to separate the show. From other shows right they don't have to 
pull back and do the drone shot and have the 75 other extras that all right. costumed and near wagons. They don't have to do that shot. It was only one time they gave mm-hmm. it to us, but they did it to give us the scale and they spent the money to do it and I really liked it. So I think this is the second drone shot that we had in the episode and I really liked the first one too because that was in Gelden in the castle yes. following the guys. And mm-hmm. that was another thing where they had the whole castle. It wasn't just a little hallway. It wasn't just little bits. It was... There was a castle there, and you got to see it. It looked a lot I mean, like where they... It's a real they, castle. So. Yeah, it's a Spanish castle. It looked a lot like where they shot some of the King's Landing scenes. I don't know if it was the same or not, but it probably... If, if it wasn't the same exact thing, it was probably similar in that it was an existing castle that they leveraged yes. for mm-hmm. the yes, same, right? Yeah, they did. Absolutely. Cut to Rand, Matt, and my homie, the Gleeman, Tom Maryland, my homie. He's also very high on the lead power rankings. Matt's having trouble with his horse. Rand asked Matt why they are uh, keeping the Gleeman around, because Gleeman's not here right now. Tom's not around. He mentions, uh, well, first time he met him, uh, first time he met you, Matt, he, he stole your money. Matt fires right back. We sorted that out. We worked, <laughs> we worked that out. Just a couple of guys figuring that situation out. Matt then points out that Tom saved their life. Rand, did he? Uh, Dana said there were dark friends everywhere, that a fate was coming for us. What if he killed her to make us trust him? Matt pauses, beats, no real comeback. That would be smart. Maybe there's some hope for you after all. So he's like, that's eh, pretty critical. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure Matt believes that. I think Matt is impressed that Rand is spinning out all of these different hypotheticals yeah, and yeah. strategically yeah. thinking. I think that's his Oh, that's interesting. That was all of your reads on that situation? Because I thought he was making fun of making fun of Rand in that moment, saying that, like, yeah, that was a pretty good thing for Tom to have done to get our trust. Oh. Yeah, but I, no, he was saying there are dark friends everywhere that a fade was coming for us. Dana said there are dark friends everywhere. Mm-hmm. What if he killed her to make us try? I think he's saying, what if Tom's a dark friend? Yeah. Okay. Because I read it as like, what if he killed her because she was a dark friend to gain our trust? And then Matt is saying, well, yeah, that was a pretty smart way to go about it. Right? No, I I do think it's supposed to be Matt being like, huh. Okay. Yeah, he may, mean, maybe okay. he could be a work. maybe he could be a dark friend. I'm not sure he believes it, but I think right. he's like, hey, Rand, okay. you're really you're really doing some thinking here. Yeah, I just and had I, a totally I, different read on that and I encounter. Think that, yeah, and I think that Matt. I think what we're what we take away from these scenes is that Matt loves Rand. Rand loves Matt, and I'm not sure Matt has always respected Rand's intellect, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he th- he thinks he's like he's a nice guy, but maybe not the brightest. Uh, is that that kind of what we? Yeah. Then we have, uh, Matt mentions that Dana said that one of the five of them are the dragon. He questions five. They start counting them off. Rand, Parent, Egwene, him, Matt. Who else? Smash cut to Loghain. So obviously, I think we're meant to believe that Dana had heard of Loghain and heard that there was this guy taking over castles and yeah. with an army yeah. and everything. And that maybe he's sense, one, of, yeah. it's one of you four or it's this other dude who has half the country. One of the two of you. So was the smash cut a little pushy for you or did you like it? So it, it, it's fine. Okay. It's fine. I mean, I think that they're, they're doing a lot of stuff on the nose right now. Yeah. That's cool for early on in the in the season. We're up so cool. far. Exactly. Yeah. But you're eventually going to have to be a little more subtle with the stuff like that. But right now, I think it's it, they want to make leading sure... They're us like bulls to the market. Yeah. I mean, I think they just want to make sure people, the casuals, are following. And, and yeah. if you follow any of our Mangum Talks podcasts, you know that like I always rep for the casual. And, you know, it is, it's not going to be easy. Like, I follow this super closely because mm-hmm. I now really love it. I really do love the show. But I also like really like doing the podcast with you guys. I want to be prepared for it. I think a casual... That would be really helpful for them. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, I, and I think that that's a really nice thing that they're doing, that 
if you're, but it's a good question. If you're paying a lot of attention and like you're really into it, it's a very different story than like if you're playing on your phone and like doing other things and pausing and going back. This hammers home that like you're this dude like fits a lot of what you expect from the dragon, what we know so far. Can I just do a life lessons, Willie? I'm gonna yes. do a life lessons, Willie, real quick. Look, I'm not gonna tell you people what to do, okay, listeners. Watch the show however you want to watch the show. I know you're not going to listen to me really, but I would. I'm going to say this: the show deserves you to put your phone down. Like it is that good of a show. It 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 is worthy of. Not every show is, but this show is worthy of putting the phone down, putting other things down, and really watching it because it's that good. I think. Anyway, that's my life lessons with Lee. Cut to Logan, who's still sitting in the cage with the one power shield on, the one power blanket, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moraine is sitting there watching him. Still looks like she's straining. Like she's just kind of like flinching. Um, Alina tells her she, you'll get used to it Marine seems astonished quote he looks like he's just sitting there I mean I always knew some women couldn't see men, men's weaves but the experience itself dot 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 BJ you want to translate what she's talking about there yeah so they're they're filling out a little bit more of this world that uh, women can't see men channeling and so basically you know her expectation is when other women channel like she can see that but here, she just feels like the result of it. So basically, this is a completely invisible like struggle between them. And this is true to the, the books in that one of the few ways, or maybe the only way that I can think of off the top of my head, to measure the other sex's ability in the power is when they're shield, shielded and to be able to feel them as they push against that shield. Yeah, so, and, and I think they use the metaphor, or Elena uses the metaphor, it's like holding a cat in, in water, and yeah. like holding a cat in the bath, right? Um, one thing I, so I'm going to go ahead and, and make so, the... Just like, a quick yeah, thing. Go ahead. Uh, it's yeah. Alana. Alana? Yeah, and we'll get that. Alana instead yeah. of Elena? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Alana. Um, yeah, the, the pronunciation thing... Uh, it's it's, it's not, super it's, funny because like everybody has that problem from the books and 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 as you were saying Sarah like we're not getting improvements we do get a nod to that later on which I do appreciate. I think it's just frustrating they don't they don't they could use the names more in the scenes to reinforce mm-hmm. the pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically I have this character maybe her name gets used like once. I don't right. know. But yeah. It's not very often and then you try to figure it out and it's not And as we talked about in a previous pod too like we have these actors pronouncing the names differently when they say them. Right. Too. Like individual right. actors saying them differently right. as right. well, which and it's different from the audiobook. So even people that might have had something, and it's also somewhat different because Robert Jordan knew that he was off the deep end with his character pronunciations and gave a glossary so you could actually do that, which pretty much every reader that I know was just like, yeah, I don't care about the glossary. I'm just going to completely ignore it. But yeah, it's just Alana? a problem. World. Yeah, Alana. Alana, I'll try. Um, so. One thing, so I'm going to go ahead and make the, the sort of comparison here to the one power and the, the force in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, because like it, Star Wars, like one of the, the more fun things to do in the, the earlier movies, and he, it's coming up some now in, in some of the legacy stuff that they're doing. But like in the early, it's like trying to figure out who's more powerful than who. Like, okay, you have the rank of Jedi Knight and you have the rank of Jedi Master. And within the Jedi Masters, you have like sort of the, the head of the whole Jedi Council, which is Yoda. And maybe Yoda's the most powerful. I'm... I, Grew up in Star Wars. I, I lived in Star Wars for like 20 years. So I'm doing that math here. Now you guys tell me if this is stupid to do, but I'm constantly trying to figure out like in these scenes, okay, 
is Moraine more powerful than Alana? Is Alana more powerful than Loghain? Like, I'm trying to do this sort of mental math of who, who who's more powerful. I here. think you're absolutely supposed to. Okay. Yeah. I, I think not only are you supposed to, but keep that in your in in mind when they're interacting with each other. Um, and, you know, we'll see if they go into it a little bit more in the TV show, but it's an interesting thing that they deal with in the books. And so I'm guessing that this will be something that that will be interesting to see as we move forward in in the tv show can i throw in a question here i know it's not our designated time for questions (laughs) um but i'm and i never thought about this before but so we have like and now i'm using harry potter language so we've got like star wars in it but we have like fully qualified aes Sedai here Mm -hmm. right who are who are particular sisters full sisters thank you um they're out in the world doing their thing once you become a full sister is your power power going to noticeably increase at any point like is there the opportunity for that or do you hit like a like a ceiling your individual ceiling and that's your your ceiling so so you're 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 entering into um some spoiler territory like which is okay a huge amount but basically there is uh sort of a range that that people get on other uh that women get on other ace to die in terms of their power and like maybe what it's going to be, mm-hmm. um, and so that that part is relatively known when when they're around each other. Like so, your, okay, right, your potential or, or, or how much you can mm-hmm. actually do, and so most likely everybody here knows about how strong everybody else is. Okay, but is there? The, I guess my my That's question is like. Is like, is there a possibility that like something could happen to Leandra and she could learn something or something like that and get more powerful? No. From where she is now, as like a full sister, that that okay. So that's my question. They're so like static the, 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 the once they yeah. that's my right. question is yeah. like so these can, power rankings that Lee is yeah. talking about, the kind of one on one heads up. Right. They're not going to change right. appreciably. Right. Okay. They're essentially fixed for the okay. purposes of this. Discussion. That that was really right. my question. But I think that while they are fixed. Uh, we don't know them all right now, right? So it's like right. more we, to be revealed. Yeah. For we, that. we don't know yeah. who who is who, but but we do know a little bit. So we do know that of the group, there are only a couple that are powerful enough to shield Logan, right. and they're doubling up just in case. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Um, and that is Alana, yep. Moraine, and Leandrin. Exactly. And and, 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 Karini. and, Karini, yeah. and These seem to be the four most powerful of, maybe they have like seven there, I think they say later or something like that. Uh, yeah, so then uh, Elena, Alana tries to start a, like a personal conversation with Moraine. She's like, what's the name of that dog? You weren't <laughs> supposed to have dogs, but you had that dog that slept in your, your bed every night anyway. And she just kind of turns to uh, Alana and just goes, I presume Karini has asked you to use our friendship to get information out of me. Like very a spectrum-y type thing <laughs> to do, right? She just cuts right through it. She doesn't answer the question. She's like, I think I know what you're doing here, right? And Alana doesn't seem, she seems to know Moraine yeah. enough to know like this type of thing might, be the st- she's not startled by this right. reaction right. from Moraine. And she just goes, not for a day or two still, when you're expecting it less. So they're, you know, kind of going back and forth. <laughs> Moraine, subtle. You could have easily been blue. Aja, blue Aja. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess that's like, what is the word? So they they attach Aja to the color. They say blue Aja, red Aja. What what why why did why what does that word mean? Why attach it? Why not just say blue red whatever? So it, it's from the books, and Aja basically means the group, and I think the colors maybe came later, um, and so that that's what they're defining. It, it's okay. it. 
I wouldn't say it's too far off of political affiliation. Got it. Except that, well, I mean, this isn't maybe all that wrong either, is once you have chosen it, when you get to that stage in your training, that's the color that you've chosen. That's the honor right. that you've chosen. Okay. It's fixed. Yeah. So you can't change it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just was the word Asha. I didn't quite know what that meant, but I, yeah. I, I guess like it's just, sect. yeah, yeah, sect. There you go. That that that's helpful. Um, Alana says one wardrobe would never do. I was like, I was watching this. I was like, is that a sex thing? I learned later it's very much a sex thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know. Like I was like, what, what is she talking about here? I mean, we do get a little bit later. Um, oh, we get it. Well, so does she. Um, but <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> A little bit more of explanation of what the greens are, and so like it all, it it's not just a sex thing. Of course, yeah. You yeah. know, they, they are the battleage, and we get a little bit more of that. And so, having fighting men around is important. Yes. But I mean, I think in this she was making a sex joke. Yes. Yeah. And and this is what spoiler. I'm gonna as I said, I'm gonna talk about Alana more later. But this is the moment where I was like, you actually have something else going on in your life, and that's interesting to me. <laughs> Alana then says she shows green. She thought it was so heroic. Uh, warriors trained to defend humanity against the Dark One in the last battle. Hell, I'd never thought I'd get to see it myself. Basically, like, <laughs> you know, I know that we're supposed to be, like, the ones that, to do this last battle thing against the Dark One. That's cool at all. But... Didn't think it, it was coming up, like, right now. So, That's like people who signed up for the military in, like, 2000. So what I was going to say is I, I think this is uh, an easy parallel to draw is uh, the the wall in Game of Thrones where, you know, the, the men guarding yeah. the wall against, you know, great, great, great. And, yep. and so, so no one expects that like anything's going to come from the North, but that's what they're there for. Yeah. So, yeah. So for those who don't know, they get in Game of Thrones, there's a, a group of people that go to the wall, presumably to defend the realm against all the, the darkness that's out there. But for thousands of years, nothing has ever come. And then yeah. finally, Jon Snow gets there and holy shit, there they come, right? <laughs> it's the same sort of idea here. It's like, I, I didn't expect to actually have to fight the Dark One, uh, but looks like maybe we will. Moraine points out that they have, there have been false dragons before, and Alana says, eh, maybe, but this guy's strength, something else, boy. Let me tell you, it's something else. And Literally says it's more than anything she's ever seen. Yeah, and they also reference that most men that channel don't declare themselves the Dragon Reborn. Yeah, for sure. And so that's... Yeah, they best about. not. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Shit got him in trouble. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it, it's clear. Like, here's here's my interpretation of this, right? Y'all mm -hmm. disabuse me if I'm wrong. Men channel, that to some extent or another. Most of them go mad when they do. Very rarely does it rise to a situation where the Aes Sedai have to jump into it and really, really, like do what they're having to do here, which is yeah. take this guy back to the tower and like have a whole trial or whatever, right? But this guy, stronger than any they'd seen before, and he's proclaimed himself the Dragon Reborn, and to boot got an army and took over Gelden. So this mm -hmm. guy's a pretty big deal. Uh, so Alana then says, the end of this age is here. Marine looks at her very sullen. If it is, we find ourselves in the last battle. I'm glad we will have your strength on our side. I believe this is the most friendly and the nicest that Moraine <laughs> is capable of being. I think this is a 10 for her. That was her going, I need to be nice. She said that. Like that, yeah. That's about the best she can do. Lana then says, I know the last one broke this. This is a, this is potential quote of the episode. I'm, I'm going to put it in that territory. I find this to be a very fascinating quote and it's something that was tinkering around in my head too, right? It says, I know the last one broke this world and we can't let that happen again. But what if the dragon is supposed to be here with us, but we've let the reds gentle him? Fucking the thousand dollar question, the elephant in the room, right? Like, 
if the reds are out there doing this and gentling people, I mean, the, the dragon's not going to like, like be born and like it, it, from age one, be the most powerful person. He has to grow. What if during that growth process, the reds gentled him? Question I had too. She just put it to words. I thought that was very interesting. Mm -hmm. That's a yep. great question. Yep. Um, so, well, let's talk gentling. Can yep. we talk gentling real quick? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So here is what it seems like to me. It seems to me that with some with enough power, the I said I are able to remove somebody's connection to the one power. Sever it. Yep. They can sever it. Oh. It seems to me that they can do this to anyone, granted they have enough one power on their their side to do it. Like it might it might not be like it didn't seem to me like Leandrin could just do it herself to Logan. It seemed like she needed some help to do it. So depending on your strength, they might need a couple more sisters to do it. Well, once they do it, it's severed forever. It's about That's right. what yep. we're supposed to believe, right? Yep. yep. Severed forever. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Then we see Loghain push. His blanket comes up. And both Moraine and Elaine have to focus. Oh, crap. They, they, they push his blanket back down, right? And it seems like he kind of bum-rushed the door. That's mm -hmm. what it kind of looked like there. Mm -hmm. Looked like he kind of took a took yep. a punch at it. And they kind of, they, whoop, whoop. All right, and they put it back. Test the bounds a little bit, Absolutely. I think. Yep. Yes. Which, based on what we see later... Uh, this is kind of funny. It seems mm -hmm. like maybe Logan is just toying with them a little bit. That's what it seems like to me. And so what, I, what I'll say, and this is sort of a, a good parallel, is shielding is the impermanent version. Uh, gentling or severing them from the, the one power is the permanent version of separating somebody from the source. I'll tell you this. Uh, heck of a PR battle that the, the uh, I said I are doing. I just gentled them. Just a little, just gentle. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like... I made them nice it, for the world. Exactly. It's like, yeah. when, like when the Republicans called it like the Clean Water Air Act or whatever. Yeah. And it was like, like it, this is how much you can pollute. Like, I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of the same thing, right? There's a little PR going on. Yep. And, and so what I will say, and I think this is a very, very tiny spoiler. They, they do use another word for when they do it to women. Mm, okay. But, um, but it's important to know that they can do it to women. I, that that's important to know. I I think that I think that's spoilery in the sense that we don't know that for sure in the show. But I don't think it changes anything, and I think it's good context for people to know. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's a yeah. good. I think that's a good thing to fill out. Um, cut to naive. She's eating some cold chicken. We're about to do the same thing here. We got some cold chicken for us after we record. I'm excited. Uh, watching the camp and Leandrin comes up from behind her. Says, "I like your braid." Uh, she basically does the, the pronunciation of Nynaeve the way that I did the first time I saw it <laughs> on paper. That's exactly what she And I she think this does. was a nod to, to yes. sort of everybody yes. that, that yeah. deals yeah. with that. Um, and Maybe. also, yeah, uh, sort of cementing in who Leandrin is. And, and I think you had a good read early on, but I think this is sort of adding to that uh, long list of Leandrin's uh, character. Yeah, she is. She's tough, right? I I don't think that we should place her in this sort of like, she's bad. Like, she's not like white cloak people for me. Yeah. But she is kind of like, we got to watch this, Leandrin, because she, she gets off the rails a little bit. Uh, she says, I don't, sorry if I mispronounced your name, but I, I, I didn't catch your accent. And then <laughs> 95 is back. That's because you never heard me talk before. <clears throat> um I'm imagining you came over here because you want something. You, I said, I always do. Boy, she is not one for chit chat, aren't I? Need, uh, not, not Perfect. digging it. Then she says, uh, "How about this? Because you obviously want something from me, I've deduced that. Let me ask you some questions first. Depending on how well you answer, maybe I'll give you what you want. How long have you known Moraine?" And then Leandrin sort of smiles, and we get a cut. <clears throat> we cut to the wood with a small house, farmish-looking thing in the background. Our characters, which are uh, Rand, Matt, and Tom Maryland. 
are here. And honestly, the background looks a lot like a Thomas Kincaid painting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I paused it and I looked yeah. at it. And I was like, ah, painter of light. Look at that. <laughs> there it goes. Tom walks up and tells him, look, here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan, kids. Wait till dark, sneak in the farm. Boom, we're out early in the morning. Rand it's like, why don't we just ask? <laughs> why don't we just ask to stay on the farm? And it, you know, it's kind of, it, it, I love these interactions because it's just, there's so much character development. It's like, oh, that's how Rand operates in the world. He's, He's like a little bit more standoff. Yeah, all the day long. Yeah, and that may get him in trouble, right? Because that sort of thing of like, hey, let me, why don't we just go talk to him? In this situation, I think it, it probably would have worked and it ends up working. All the time, I probably would go with Tom Maryland's strategy. Yeah, yeah. And so if it tells you a little bit about their upbringing. Uh, like he grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere with basically small town people all around. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. there, there isn't a big city. There aren't like a lot of people coming through, you know, there isn't much to be wary of other than maybe the wolves are going to get your sheep. And so I like that they're, they're adding this like tidbit to, to Rand's character. Absolutely. Yeah. Because he and Tam absolutely would have let somebody stay right. in the barn if they'd come up and asked. Like, oh, yeah. And yeah. worst comes to worst, Tam has a sword and can, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And Tom Maryland seems to have 16 daggers on his body. Matt's horse still going crazy. Yeah. Not digging it. This horse is, is not doing well. Um, they focus on that a lot. I think we're, we're supposed to, to notice that mm-hmm. the owner of the house then comes upon them with a bow and arrow. Uh, says, hey, look, uh, what are you doing? Basically, what are you doing in my, my woods? And Tom's like, look, we, we'll just leave. They'll just let us leave. He's like, I'm not going to let you leave. You're just going to double back, come back at night. Matt sticks his hand behind his back. Did you notice some weird sounds going on when that happened? Mm-hmm. Yes. He put his hand behind yeah. his back and there was some... Yep. That kind of scared like I was like <laughs> weird, man. That was like, I, I was like, wait a second, what are we doing with Matt's character? Like, that, that's a big sort of abrupt change in how we're viewing him this episode. I didn't know yep. that we mm-hmm. were concerned about him tapping into the one power, but now all of a sudden we are. <laughs> like, they just kind of threw that at us in this episode. Uh, Tom sees Matt, but before he can do anything, Rand jumps in and basically says, hey, man, look, I know you want, you don't want to kill us. I know you don't because of the way you're holding the bow. And plus, you could have already. And I'm talking to you. In fact, I'm even talking to you. He says, I don't want to kill you, so why don't you just let us sleep in your barn? The guy says, look, I, I don't even like this bow that much. I, I don't like to fight, basically. Uh, what do you think, wife? And we turn, and the wife's got a bow like locked on him. So, so there, was, there was somebody behind them that they didn't even know was there. And she agrees, but she says, you're going to have to do a little manual labor for us. First, good move by Rand. It worked. The sort of mm-hmm. negotiating with, the, with the, the citizens here, it worked. I'm just not sure it will always work. He's just, uh, my read on it is he's going to have to be careful with that strategy. Mm-hmm. Cut back to what I actually care about in the episode, and that is Leandrin <laughs> and that whole thing, uh, talking to Nynaeve. And then Moraine, she explains that Moraine shows blue, which is fitting because, you know, they're just like little spies, you know. It's fitting for her. Little Self-important spies. little spies. I didn't like that too much from Leandrin. <laughs> uh, I thought it was a little petty talking about Moraine. I mean, I can't imagine. Here's I can't imagine Moraine being that petty talking about somebody else behind their back, right? Like she doesn't strike me as somebody right. who does that type of gossip and insulting. Um, so it seems like something that Leandrin engages in that maybe not all the ice did I do. Many of them ask if the Reds are any different. Super skeptical when she asks this question. Just scar, just skepticism dripping from her as she asks it. We get this quote, quote, we protect the world from people who would misuse the one power. People, people who would use these, not men, even other Aes Sedai. So she's saying, we just, we're kind of like the, the, like the prison guards, maybe like we just sort we're the guards. We're like the police of this thing. We're not the, we're not the military. I think that's the greens, but we like sort of make sure you don't misuse the one power. And I would say like, 
if you think about the entire organization as like a military organization, I would say like MP slash quartermaster kind of thing. Like, you know, they're policing everybody on their own and, you know, making sure that everybody's sort of on track. Whereas like the Greens are frontline in terms of like, you know, the the structure. Yeah, exactly. And Uh, the Blues are intelligence. Yes, exactly. I would also say is your comment about how the Reds are maybe similar to the questioners like that. That gets highlighted, I think, here, where it's like, oh, yeah, like I can see how they're drawing those parallels. Mm-hmm. Leanne walks up and asks Leandrin if he can join them. But she's like, ah, I was just leaving. She tells Nynaeve, she's welcome to join. You can join our tent. All women are welcome. All, all women, women. All women are welcome. <laughs> uh, you know, if you don't like cold chicken, basically, making fun of her her, her lunch there. Nynaeve then turns to Lan and says, do you have something you want to talk about? I just want to say, like, um, I think one of the things, and... and kind of mentioned is that like lands a dude and land approaching kind of pushed leandrin away and so and then like the comment about all women are welcome like i think they're sowing some seeds that at least leandrin is has uh some misandry in in her in her blood oh for sure i mean i think that like what what we're getting from leandrin is that like she doesn't like guys like she and she yeah. specifically doesn't like men using the one power. And if yeah. they do, she wants to cut that shit off pretty quickly like mm-hmm. that. She's she's a lot, lot more harsh that way. It, it, it doesn't seem to me that she's got a warder. Like, I don't see that she has one. She just hangs out with other reds. Um, so so hearkening yeah. back to that first scene, any other things that, that uh, jump out at you? I mean, there's no warder there, right? Yeah, and so in the yeah in that first scene in the 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 first episode, there are like yeah. four four red sisters and no warders. Yeah, so she doesn't she doesn't even I guess she didn't even like men enough to like have one that have like a bodyguard. So she's yeah, shady. yeah. She seems to dislike men in a way that goes beyond the sort of job description of yeah. of a red, right? Absolutely, Nynaeve, That woman's a snake. Is the White Tower full of women like her? Lan says you'll find out soon enough. We're going. Nynaeve points out he took them out of the way. Uh, to get to this camp uh, and Lan assures her that the Aes Sedai will get them there as fast as they can quote if your friends aren't there already so if we don't see them there uh, then we have resources that we can use to find them quote we promised we would Nynaeve seems to respond to that she she, we're getting a lot of like Nynaeve Lan vibes in this in this episode and she yep. seems when he speaks she seems to really listen and to really trust what he says. Well, and I think that also, like, I think Nynaeve's a person that keeps her promises. So that phrase in particular, I think, really speaks to her. Yeah, it's a, a, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, okay. And more, more character development of Nynaeve. Yeah. Like, that's sort of like, yeah, keeping your word. Right. And so what I would say is, like, I, I don't know that it's distinct for the characters uh, that, like, the one oath doesn't apply to warders or might not. But I think that him affirming that and him saying, like, we promise, and, and not just I promise, like, we promise that we would do that, like, really bolsters that, like, oh, yeah, okay, they're probably actually going to do this. Absolutely. And he says, you're welcome around our fire. If you promise not to shove anyone into it, <laughs> notice that she takes him up on that, not Leandrin. Mm-hmm. So she does, uh, it seems to have a favorite there. Cut to the tinkers. Yeah. Party. <laughs> Parent asks if they found anyone else, and Aram says he's lucky they found them. They usually don't pass that way. We, we probably wouldn't have found you normally, but we just happen to be going that way. Um, Parent says a group of this size should be able to defend themselves. One of the older guys point out, hey, do you see any weapons here? So they were avoiding the war in Gelden. Yeah. Was why they're, yeah. And they're coming so, east or something yeah, to avoid the war in Gelden. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's why the like a group this size should be able to defend itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, again, they're they're really driving. They, they're driving toward this this 
conversation about pacifism, basically. The lady, Isla, Laya, uh, whatever her name is, says the Tuatha'an. There it is. I got there. Tuatha'an. Tuatha'an. Sure. Follow the way of the leaf, which is, in essence, in-world pacifism. That's, mm-hmm. that's what this is. Egwene asks what happens if they're attacked. She says, well, we run if we can, endure if we cannot. Perrin asks, so you're going to let yourself be killed? And she says, the leaf, there we go, potential line of the episode, the leaf, in its time, falls to the dirt that nourishes the tree that in its time grows the leaf again. Nothing is ever lost. The wheel returns all. Aaron makes a joke that he heard this a lot when he was a kid. She asked Perrin if he ever picked up a sword, bow, arrow, axe, maybe. <laughs> ah, there it is. And he, I think from his reaction, she could tell he's picked up an axe before. And tell me, has your life been better or worse since you picked up that axe? Cutting deep. Maybe not as deep as uh, Perrin cut his wife, but, you know, still pretty deep. A little simplistic for me. I yeah. think her, her uh, is it you, when you picked up that, that axe, is your life better or worse? As if there's not like a million variables, you know, affecting how your life operates at any point. Yeah, way. like you could have been chopping wood and you were warm for the summer. Like, come right. on. A little simplistic for my taste, but I mean, I think that, you know, in order to have some sort of like overarching, like we will never have violence ever, you have to kind of think that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't get into like a lot of the particulars, otherwise you'll probably logic yourself out of it. Um, cut to Tom, Rand, and Matt. Rand and Matt are contemplating uh, that Tom isn't working. And Tom points out, well, I need to stay fresh before a performance. Apparently he's negotiated some sort of performance with this family <laughs> at this point. So that's his, that's his job. Um, Matt looks... Off in this, I would say he did this whole episode. He doesn't. He doesn't look like the Matt that we were seeing before. And he says he needs a break. Tom's watching him very closely. Mm-hmm. We see Matt start throwing up, and it looks like some sort of black, thick liquid is coming out of his mouth. And then he gets like spotty. It's very strange. But when Matt hears a noise, all of a sudden, like the 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 black that's on his chin just evaporates, like goes away. This this vomit. I don't know what what that was about. And he seems to snap out of whatever he was in. And he turns around and he sees the little girl who lives on the property. Now, we know that Matt has two younger sisters. We've established in earlier episodes he's good with kids. He likes kids. Soft spot in his heart for kids. And that bears out in this scene. Definitely. Because he starts talking to the girl. And the girl brought him some bread. Thank him for all the work that he's doing. He asks her name. And she's like, I can't tell you that. Because I'm supposed to just give you the bread and leave. And he's like, yep, but you didn't do that, did you? She's like, no, I didn't. Just great writing for kids. It's exactly how kids sort of operate. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very, very true to form uh, for that age that the, the girl is. And then the girl offers, offers up one of her dolls. She says, you can have this doll. Uh, Berg, Bergita. 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 So she, yeah, but you can have one of my dolls, Bergita. Uh, take back with you because this doll will protect you while you sleep. Matt says, I can't take your doll. She's like, look, I got a lot. It's cool. Got a lot of dolls. You can have this one. Very sweet girl. I didn't tell you I don't have kids. This type of interaction. Ah, ah, you start going, maybe kids aren't so bad if they're all like her. So charming, right? They're not all like her, right? And she's probably not even really like her. Yeah, so actually, it's a very cute, there was a, a post on Twitter about this little girl watching herself in this episode. Oh, wow. There's a picture of her. She just has this huge grin. And uh, very cute. Oh, awesome. man. Better than like uh, Linda Blair, right? The Exorcist girl. How like she when she oh. watched herself in the movie, like she had like twenty years of therapy she had to do afterwards. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that, right. that was really tough. Um, no, this was great, and it was a really charming scene. And it, you know, it does a lot of things, right? It, it establishes like the pain that we're going to feel in the later scene, right? Because we, we figure out that you know it's a good good family, mm-hmm. it's yep. a good little girl, mm-hmm. and it continues that character development of Matt. That while he may be dealing with some weird stuff, is he tapping into the one power? Is he not? What is he doing? Is he hearing stuff? 
But loves kids. Yes. Definitely loves yes. kids. Yes. And that's always like his default go-to, right? Like that that seems to have snapped him out of this in the first place. Yeah. yeah. That that's so right. central to his his like being. And and the other thing is he only accepted the doll when she's like, take this back to your sisters at home. And she she like needled him a little bit, not on purpose, but it was like, oh, are your sisters back home oh, with your, yeah. your, your mother and father? And he's just like, okay. <laughs> That I mean, hurts a are, bit. Yeah. Yeah. Cut to Rand talking to Tom. Rand is pondering if Matt caught something back there. <laughs> maybe he's just caught. Maybe he's got a little, maybe got a little COVID. That's, maybe that's it. Um, got some of that taint. Yeah. And, and Tom says, look, I, I knew another lad who was the same way. It was exactly like this. Owen, my nephew. Boy spent half his life getting into trouble, other half getting out of it. Then one day he went sour, snapping at family and friends. Animals had their hair up when he passed. Nobody could figure out what happened until he threw a rock without using his hands. So then we figured out that Owen was channeling, and that's what was going on with him. Rand knew what this meant, and we all do now because we, we've been introduced to the one power enough to know that that means that he, a guy, Owen, is channeling probably a problem, right? Rand says Matt, uh, Tom says Matt has all the signs, and Rand says, well, Matt would tell me. He's not an idiot. Tom screams at him, neither was Owen. I'm a gleeman. Don't you think I told him the story since he was a little boy? How at the end of the last age, the Dark One corrupted the One Power so men couldn't use it without going mad. And still he lied to me. So you're getting a progression of the story that he's telling about Owen, the parallel he's drawing with Matt, and then also some backstory about the Dark One corrupted the One Power. If a man taps into it, he goes crazy. That's just the rule, guys. And like, Mm -hmm. Owen did that. It looks like Matt's doing it. You should watch this very closely. Um... Rand seems conflicted. He asks, what happened to Owen? Oh, sad fucking story here. Yeah. We get, this is where we really get, like, you know, the the levity and, like, the what, like, conveying, like, the, the absolutism and the power of the gentling, right? Yeah. We get this here through the story of Owen. I thought this was really important to set up an emotional impact that we'll get later in the episode. Tom yeah. says, the ice that I found Owen while he was away, the Reds, the Reds found him, mm-hmm. and they gentled him. I posit... And in the air, I posit that they did not get the Emerald Seed approval before they <laughs> uh, before they gentled Owen. I think this was an extrajudicial thing, just like what we saw in the beginning of episode one. And they gentled him, cut him off from the one power forever. And my guy, Ran, thinking like me, was like, well, you have to keep his life at least. Tom disabused him of this notion. Men, women, both, once they tasted the power, if they're cut off from it, it's not life anymore. It's just, it slips away. A few weeks after that, uh, it was a few weeks after they left, Owen was sitting at the dinner table. He yawned, and then he picked up a snake, steak knife and slit his own throat like it was nothing at all. So, really, really sad. And what it what it tells you is that, like, if you've tapped into one power in this world and you're gentled, that there's that life is not worth living. It's almost like a blobotomy almost. It's mm-hmm. like yeah. just a, yeah. you're you're just a shell of a person at that at that point. Tom says he's going to stay with them as long as I can to help keep you safe. You want to talk about Tom's motivations? Why is he telling? Why? Why is Tom like? Why is it, I'm going to stay with you as long as I can, like? What? What? Why is he doing this? So there's a little tidbit uh, that he mentions that he was away when the Reds found Owen, and so he feels super guilty. And he, I, I think it's supposed to be he feels somewhat responsible for like how it went down and what went down, even though Owen like went sour on family. Yeah, but that would be my point back to Tom. It's like, well, what? What are you? For, like a couple things, right? One, you can't stop him from tapping into the one power. Like he yep. did, he clearly just did that on his own. And then what were you going to do if the, if you were there when the Reds got there? Like you weren't going to be able to stop the Reds from gentling him. 
Like, yeah. I'm not quite sure. I, I, I did sense the guilt. I think you're yeah. right. But I'm not quite sure where it's, how it's, if that, mm-hmm. that's founded in anything logical uh, yeah. for me. But I think, I mean, in this, I think it's also fair to point out, like, if he thinks that Matt is channeling, any sane person would be like, well, that's bad. Men channeling bad. I'm going to leave. And so this gives Tom that's what I would do. reason <laughs> yeah. to, like, stick around. Because he's like, no, the last time I left someone who was in need, that was channeling, he died, and it was because of me. I think you're right about the guilt, and I think you're right that that's how they're writing it. But I, I, my overarching question is, and yeah. I'm going to ask, I'm pose this to you, Sarah. My overarching question is to you: Why does he care about Brandon Matt? Like, what is is that apparent, or is it is it confusing to you as a watcher? I would say that it is not particularly apparent at this point. I do think that you know the, his decision at this point to. Um, to stay with them, they're writing it as as the sort of guilt, whether that's particularly like deep enough or or not. I don't I don't yeah. know, but I do think that like the specific reasons that he is shacked up with with Rand and Matt in this moment are are left are left unclear. Okay, and I'm gonna gentle your book knowledge. Okay. Okay. I'm gentling your book your book knowledge away from you. <laughs> okay. Right? Where's the steak knife? Now you're only now you're only gonna answer this question as a watcher yeah. of the show. Do you think Matt's tapping into the one power right now from what we've seen? Yes. I kind of do too. Yeah. It does look like it. Yeah. And it seems like they're leading us there. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty scary for his character. Mm-hmm. We saw his horse be like, mm-mm, dude. It's no. the horse more than anything. That's a it's great point. It's the horse more than anything. Absolutely yeah. a great sort of point. independent confirmation that Matt's doing something weird. And then Tom says, <laughs> yeah. hey, you know, animals really didn't like my yeah. cousin. And also... Niece. The black stuff that you saw him vomit up and then get sucked away when somebody else comes out. Mm -hmm. It's like, does this really exist outside of his head? And is that the same kind of crap that was coming out of our boy Loghain? Yeah. Um, Yeah, are those related? And then the the underlying question, if if Sarah and I are right, that he is starting to channel the one power, is it voluntary? It looks like it's kind of just happening to him. Like he's sort of transforming against his will. Mm -hmm. And if it does, I mean, you can really spin this stuff out, right? Because if it is involuntary, then what the Reds are doing is a real problem, right? Because it's not fair to the person who's who's having the, the... Who's tapping into the one power, basically. Yeah. Well, but then you have this question of, you know, what's better? You know, getting gentled or going mad? Yeah, it's a fair point, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but it, it really, you really do spin out in a lot of stuff with the situation with Matt. I feel like um, of the stuff that we're going to carry with us into the next episode, Matt potentially tapping into the one power is probably the most important. So I just wanted to spend some time talking about that because mm-hmm. I feel like that's going to get played out, hopefully, yeah. In, yeah. in later episodes. Um, so then we, uh, Tom says, whatever you do, you have to keep Matt away from those women, the Reds. Mm-hmm. Rand, speaking for the audience... You know a lot for a simple gleeman. <laughs> Tom, there's a lot of the episode. Yeah. We call ourselves gleeman because a silly name makes us less frightening. Nothing is more dangerous than a man who knows the past. Great line. Potential line of the episode. Going to nominate that mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. Line of the episode from my man, Tom Maryland, the gleeman. Cut back to the Moraine and Karini, and they are watching Logan, working to keep the shield on him. Mm-hmm. The locked in. Uh, Rosamund Pike really has perfected the Moraine look, I'd like to point out. <laughs> that sort of She's like, man, she is so locked into this character. And like that that look of like um, like concentration, but also feels like 33% of her mind is somewhere else. It feels like she's sort of thinking about other bigger stuff at all times. Uh, that's what I get from it anyway. Like a, that 
Yeah. And then that little bit of uncertainty always. Around mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut to the campfire where the warders are sitting around drinking and telling stories. Warders, turns out, not bad hangs. <laughs> B- bit of a bit of a uh, upset victory for me. I did mm-hmm. not expect the warders to be good hangs the way that they are, but it seems like they are. <laughs> and they seem to be more naive style than what, what the vibe she was giving. Yes. Yeah. Different vibe than, than Moraine and Lan. Maybe. Oh, uh, for sure. It, well, I mean, I, I, I just love like the introduction of the other Aes Sedai into this story and, and, yeah. and how they wrote it and, and the scenes that we get because it makes it abundantly clear that what we see with Leandra or Moraine and Lan is just not, it's not normal. It's not, the, it's not the normal. It's not like they're, they're super like, like. But there's, um, there's a, a large spectrum of like how these people are, how they interact with their waters, warders, what the warders are like. And so we're just seeing one person. They're not like a uniform right. mm-hmm. uh, group. And, you know, I think that there are a lot of easy parallels for people that are from, more familiar with other uh, lore, like Jedi. Like, you know, until you see like a larger group, like you don't really know if they're like a monolith or not. There's a great parallel, um, and that is Moraine to Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, Moraine, Moraine is probably okay. like that. That's a that's a very clear parallel with how the Qui Gon Jinn interacted with the Jedi Council. How he he was very strong in the Force, but how he used the Force, how he trained other people. I mean, it, there's a very strong parallel with those mm-hmm. two characters, at least what I see so far. But it also just seems like Moraine and Land to the other folks are just kind of weirdos. Like it just seems like they just think they're kind of weirdos. That's um, not wrong. Yeah, but we do see Nynaeve having fun, and God bless, it's time. <laughs> Jesus, four episodes in, we finally get a smile from this lady. Uh, and it seems like they're telling stories to poke fun at Lan. And shout out to Lan, good sport. He's just yep. taking it, yep. just yep. taking it. And Nynaeve seems to Nynaeve seems to really like the stories that poke at Lan a little bit. She's yep. really enjoying those a lot. Um, get some really great back and forth here. Some fascinating lore, and some of the best quotes of the episodes are in this scene. I'd like to say they ask Lan how he met Nynaeve, and Lan starts a slow explanation. Nynaeve jumps in, I tracked him. <laughs> Damn, she knew what she was doing there, boy. They got a kick out of that. Uh, then she, laughing, says, you warders are more fun than you look. Uh, it just seems like they're having a good time. And then we have, and I said, I come over. Then another. And they just start peeling away some of the warders. Because it's time. There's a look. It's bedtime. Get, yeah. It gets past. Yep. yep. It's time to go. Little it's tired. bedtime. Nynaeve noticed this and says, but you serve them. Uh, boy, do I love this part of the episode. They all get quiet. One of the warders says, we don't. Stefan says, central line of the episode here. No bond is closer than an Aes Sedai and her warder. Not husband and wives, not parents and children. Do you know what Aes Sedai means in the old tongue? Servants of all. It is they who serve the world. Nynaeve, what does that make you, Lan? Proud. Oh! Oh! I'm about to cry in that scene. What? Man, that's such good writing. Um, and it really... Uh, I don't know. It 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 um, fills out what I was already sort of suspecting about the Ice Sedai, and particularly Moraine, mm-hmm. which is that a lot of what she she's doing is is very selfless, and Land notices that, and that's why he's he's not serving like serving her as like uh, like sort of oh man like she's my king. It's she's helping everybody else, and I'm just assisting in that effort. Another guy says, "I'm tired." Um, and i think the tired thing gets worked into this sort of like hey it's it's your time for some ice and i time back in the tent yeah Um, and and it also i think it's the same guy that um i I don't know if she said uh and i said like oh you're funny or something and and uh he, he he's like uh 
Yeah, like every, you wouldn't expect everybody here to, to look like they're having a good time, but me, like you would. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like awesome I look like fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I look fun. Yeah, yeah. Then we see Alana come over and grab her warder. He's right. Mm. Both her warders. Yeah, warders. Yeah. Warders. <laughs> so, so also around them with her eyes around the fire, they were friendly with each other. Uh, yeah, that, like one was like they're hanging on each other. Yeah, they're hanging on each other. Yeah. Um, and they leave, and then uh, great question here from Nineveh. <laughs> the three of them don't. Uh, Stefan just shrugs and laughs. Um, <laughs> so I mean, the, the implication is, yeah, they probably do. The three yeah. of them. Um, probably is a probably is a three three situation. Lance says he's getting a bit tired of himself. Uh, he tired himself, and he takes off. Nineveh is left there trying to understand what the hell is going on here. <laughs> uh, so I I in my ignorance in earlier episodes just posited, okay pretty clear from what I saw at the time that the warder uh, Aes Sedai relationship is just, he's just protecting her. There's nothing sexual here. It's clear that in some of these relationships it is sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, it would seem to me by what Stefan explained that the sexual part of it is very secondary. That if they're, if they're truly closer than mothers and children and husbands and wives, then the fact that they have sex in a tent at night is like almost secondary. I mean, that, that, that's a, that, that, that is not what drives the relationship. It, what drives the relationship is that they're warder eyes to die and that they are that close with each other. Some right. of them choose yeah. to have sex with each other. That's their choice. And that, you know, you can work mm-hmm. jokes in. It's funny. Maybe it, maybe it helps pass the day, right? But ultimately, that bond is the closest thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's what's important. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I think that's a fair read. Um, then uh, cut to Lan going into the tent with Moraine. Um, <laughs> Lan, he's 10 years old. He's 10 years too old at least is he as strong as Egwene? So he's talking to her like, what the fuck is this? Guy? Like this guy really screwed everything up for them, right? Like this, yeah. mm-hmm. we, we thought mm-hmm. we had this thing figured out with these four, especially Egwene. She's pretty strong. What the fuck with this guy? And Moraine just, just throws her hands up in the air. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know. I think this is like seeing Moraine very dramatic. Like this is her dramatic. Mm-hmm. Yes, this yeah. is, we got 10 out of 10 nice for a moment. Yeah. And this is 10 out of a 10 drama. Yes. Yeah. Land dreams, Trollocs, the Dark One isn't after Loghain. Moraine says perhaps he is. But she doesn't think the Dark One has any more idea of who the dragon is than they do. I don't think he knows either. I think we're all just shooting in the dark here. Land hilariously says he doesn't know if that's terrifying or comforting. I think that's a pretty, pretty good read, pretty, mm-hmm. pretty good line. Moraine, we lost them. 20 years we hunted and we lost them. Lance says, I lost them. Moraine says, your losses are mine and mine are yours. Moraine holds his hand. And Lance seems to not be like, it seems like he just sort of straightens up, stiffs. He doesn't hold her hand back. He does. He's not like affectionate back to her. And he says, I shouldn't have had a drink. You always get emotional when I drink. And she smiled. A couple things going on here. One is that the bond is so strong that if like one gets inebriated, the other one feels it and is affected. Mm-hmm. So that should, that's going back to what I was talking about before. They have this like innate, like connection to each other that like goes beyond some sort of like physical relationship, right? Yeah. He yeah. has a drink and she's affected. So we want that 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 is being shown to the audience, right? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'd say there's almost like a physicality to the relationship that's very different from sex because we also um, know that uh, the pain that Mor- uh, Moraine feels, Lan feels too. Yeah. Yes, we got absolutely. that in the and last so, episode. Yeah. Exactly. And so, so now we know it goes both ways. Like at least some things go both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, I'd like to point out corners. something here. Um, why? So it seems to me that some of these guys and uh, some of these warders in the Aes Sedai have a sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. 
it seems to me that Lan is not interested in that with Moraine. It does not appear that he want, yeah. he's not he does not even seem, when she's feeling a little tipsy even when and she's maybe a little, a little, tipsy, a little more handsy hand, than she would be. He just yeah. kind of cuts it off and it makes me think that maybe what we're getting here is does he does he have this is he Moraine's warder? Of course he is. Mm-hmm. And he's locked into that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he's super interested in a sexual relationship with Moraine. And that might open the window to, I don't know, somebody just met named Hanif. I don't know. Um, I think that's kind of what we're setting up for here. And I'll talk more about that in my theory time. But so that's kind of so was the read at. that you got that Moraine was sort of going that way a little yeah. bit fun? Okay. Absolutely. I think she... Just I think, in that moment, I yeah. think that we are, okay. that there is a little bit of the, like I said, the sort of like she is now feeling a little tipsy and like, Marines happen, and yeah. yeah, we know Marines is stiff, right? <laughs> She's a hard worker. Yeah. She she head she heading her work all the time. I'm not sure if she wanted a sexual relationship with Lan, it would be like, woo, top off, girls going wild, let's do this thing. I think it would be more subtle. It would probably be what we just saw, and it seems to me that Lan's not interested in that, and that probably sets up for some interesting dynamics that we might get down the road with these two, maybe naive, maybe someone else. I don't know. Um, but it certainly doesn't appear that like she goes to the campfire and is like, "Land, let's go." Like I don't think <laughs> I don't think that's happening. So I was trying to remember, and maybe you guys remember um, when they look at each other. Like that had a very like, and now they kiss. Like, it did it have a little bit of that feel to and, each other, yeah. And it was like, ah, this didn't is happen. Not, a, not a thing that's happening. And but I think I that remember who looked away first. Oh, I don't, I don't remember either. So I think that could give some insight into. Yeah, he did. He okay. absolutely did. So, okay. Yeah, I was watching that close. He, she was giving him signs. She was, she, her, she held the gaze longer. She held her hand on his longer, and he. He like stiffened up with the hand. He looked away with the gaze, and that's when he said, "I shouldn't, shouldn't have had the drink." You always get emotional mm-hmm. when I drink. I just got strong vibes that um, he's not interested in that with her for whatever yeah. reason, uh, and that I think we're going to get more to that later. But I, I also don't want our listeners to get hung up on like the sexual relationship of the of the um, the warders and the and the Aes Sedai. I really think that they threw that in as a sort of like, well, this is the reality. Like these people pal around all the fucking time. They're with mm-hmm. each other a hundred times, like all the time. Three sixty-five. Things yep. can happen. Things happen. This is like why is... office relationships become a thing, right? Well, but yeah. It, but yeah. It, but, it, but I think it's even more than that, right? Yeah. There because they because they're so linked up and they're so close. Yeah. But I don't think it prohibits Land from being a very good warder for Marine. Yeah. Cut to the Tinker Party. Wow, we're getting a real party now. The music's playing. They're dancing. Everybody, Gwen seems to be having a great time here. I like mm-hmm. to point out she's just dancing, spinning, doing her thing. She's dancing with Aram. Uh, she's trying to get Perrin to dance. Shocker, he won't do it. Uh, he's not. He's not wanting what, to dance. What Perrin? A stick in the mud? Uh, no, not, no. But well, but he, but he, but it's it's not that he doesn't appreciate them, right? Um, but he does seem to. He doesn't want to dance, but he does seem to kind of appreciate what's going on a little bit. I got a smile from Perrin. Uh, a look around. Uh, a little bit of contentment, maybe. Hopefully. Um, and I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm an Aguin Perrin shipper. Establish this. I think right. in episode three of yeah. our pod. Yeah. Uh, maybe two uh, even. Yeah, Aguin yeah, Perrin. I'm, I'm a shipper. Yep. Staying on that. Why? Because I'm a consistent podcaster. That's okay. right. I'm consistent. I would also like to say that there's room in our world for Aguin Aram shippers. <laughs> there's yeah. room. There's room. Okay. I, I mean, do you think it could not? We we, we have multiples. Yeah, could be. Already. Yeah, we Absolutely. just got that established in episode. Both, right. though. Much better than Aguin Rand. <laughs> uh, Aguin then asks Aram about the song. Aram sort of huff and puffs, shrugs, and then he explains 
that some think there was a song that got lost in the last breaking. The breaking was when the dragon came along and broke the world. Yep. The song got lost. And if they can only find it again, people will live in peace and happiness the rest of their days. Aguin susses out that Aram doesn't believe this based mm-hmm. on his body language and how he tells the story. And he says, look, I believe in a lot of things, but only old fools and children believe in the song. Aguin, looking around, are you sure you haven't found it already? Um, really great line and shows her her sophistication of saying, like, maybe you guys have already found sort of happiness here with this life you live, the way of the leaf, the dancing at night, the, you know, like traveling around, taking seems care of people. It's a pretty chill life. Yeah, mm-hmm. it seems pretty great here. Um, cut to Isla. Uh, she tells Perrin that she uh, honors him by doing work uh, to help out one of the wagons, right? Basically, um, you're, you are helping us, and in doing the work, you're honoring us, and we appreciate that. Perrin looks around, sees one man with... Tear tattoos? Was that prison tear tattoos? I think it was a woman, and I think it was like a scar. A scar, yeah. but sure. Look, yeah. Look like, yeah, it did. Look yeah. Like the, look like the, tear, the gangster tear tattoos. I mean, not too far not off. Yeah. I mean, like we do find out that she killed people. So, no. so yeah. Whatever it is, parents seems to think it's indicative of not being the way of the leaf. Um, Isla, I'm gonna keep. Uh, I'm gonna keep screwing this up, but whatever. Isla explains that he was a hired killer. She was a hired killer. Mm-hmm. She she was a hired killer. Uh, those who renounce violence know it's evil all too well. She explains that there is only one way to end violence. Everyone, everywhere has to stop. And it'll take time. Parent asks her if she really thinks that's possible. She basically gives a Rocky for, if I can change, you can change, we all can change speech. <laughs> Uh, Perrin points out that if she's right, she won't live to see the peace. Ah, Perrin, but the wheel. But the wheel, Perrin. <laughs> but the wheel. Don't forget. I love my people, but I don't do this for them either, she says. Perrin, well, then who do you do it for? She explains that she had a daughter once. This tragic story. Aram's mother. Uh, he doesn't even remember her. Aram doesn't even remember her. But one day she went out foraging and bandits stumbled upon her. She had no gold. She had no jewels. Nothing of value except her life. And when she found her, she could tell that they'd killed her for sport. I sat with her body for hours. She's staring at the broken spear in her chest, trying to work up the courage to grab it and hunt them down. Perrin asked why she didn't. She says she wanted revenge. Perrin, kind of confused by this answer. Potential line of the episode. Real high up here. Mm-hmm. What greater revenge against violence than peace? What greater revenge against death than life? Oh, hit you in the heart. Good stuff. She says she couldn't protect her girl in this turn of the wheel, but maybe one day. When everyone she knows is gone, the wheel will turn out her daughter's soul. And I'll do what I can now to forge a better life for her when that happens. So basically, if I can improve the world small, I can change two people's minds. They change two people's minds. On and on and on. Here we create The a- nicest pyramid scheme <laughs> yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah, absolutely. Give me that multi-level marketing. If I I'll boss some, babe that I shit. I can sell yeah. some leggings to you Let's and you can it. sell them to your neighbor. Everybody will wear Everybody <laughs> comes into the, the peaceful yeah. world of yeah. the way of the leaf. Mm-hmm. And then eventually when her soul gets kicked back out, we have through a the wheel, great pile of leaves. Then the world will be a little better place, and maybe she'll have a better run of it the second go around, mm-hmm. or the tenth, or the fiftieth, or whatever it is. I just like to say that, like, I like this idea of like the wheel, like that, like that would be kind of not like that'd be kind of nice if that's how things really worked. Like you know, if your soul got spit out, like so, I don't know. I think it's a pretty, um, pretty chill, pretty calming way to to view eternity and and the world. And I, I imagine that's a, the draw for some people to this series is that it's kind of like a cool cool concept mm-hmm. about how the world mm-hmm. works. Um, cut to Egwene and Aram. Aram, ask her, uh, where, where, where is he? Where's this guy who's got your heart? Um, have you lost him? Egwene says no. She says, uh, he, I haven't lost him. He's right over there. He's, he's working on a wagon. <laughs> he's got that wagon wheel going. <laughs> Maybe you've met. I'm not sure. Yeah, he said, he's that guy who wouldn't dance. Uh, he just fixed your wagon. 
Uh, Gwen says, no. She says, uh, I'd know if I'd lost him, Aram. You know, we leave the wagons when we turn 20 to live in the world for a while to see if what we were born into is what we choose. Some farm, some set sail, some even take up arms like here. So a little rumspringa situation yep. mm -hmm. uh, for these guys. So these are pacifists who have rumspringa when they turn 20, they can go out into the world, smoke a little meth and figure out if they want to come back <laughs> to build wagons and make butter Brief for bars. all of yeah. their tourists. Uh, and they can figure out that's the life that they really want. We'll see if they have any good cheese at the, uh, <laughs> the tinker wagons. <laughs> Gwen asks, uh, how many come home? Arab says most of them do, but not all. The leaf doesn't fight the wind, basically. If they want to go, they can go. That's that's part of it, Steel. We're not going to pull them back forcefully. And sometimes the wind blows away from the tree. They sit and look at the stars. Cut to Matt sleeping. How old do you think Aram is? I think he's younger than a Gwen. Okay. I mean, the actor isn't, but they kind of make him seem that way. And that, and And... Isla, she's like young to be a grandmother. Yeah. I'm going to say he's like maybe a couple years younger than, than Gwen. I guess I, ju 18, I just 17. wanted to know if you thought he had went on his rum spring or yeah. not. Oh, uh, no, I don't think he has. Do y'all think he has? I, I don't think so. I mean, because I, I think he, I don't know that he's made his decision just because like of how mm -hmm. he feels about the song and like how he. I kind of thought he was telling her that like, hey, I could get out of here with you. Like, <laughs> I got, I got, I, mean, I got yeah, a shot. Yeah, yeah. That was my, it. yeah, my read was that he was like, is really like right on the cusp of doing it and was like, hey, yeah. this might be. I could go with yeah. it. Yeah. Which, by yeah. the way, if you're a queen, not a bad, not a bad call. I mean, if you're really not going to do the parent thing, I mean, <laughs> Rand's an asshole and you don't know if he's, you don't know where he's at. I mean, maybe, maybe take a run at this Aram guy. I think it's not a bad call. At least let him join your, your, keep your band. options open. You, you, Aram, Perrin, that'd be a good, good three. Three folks to, to go about the world. Um, Get it, lock in her warders early. He'd be helpful, I think, as they go about trying I mean, to... But, but a wave leaf order would not be really helpful. So, uh, I don't know. No, I, th I think just trying to get to the tower, he'd be helpful. I think he seems to know a lot about how the world works. Maybe more yeah. of a, a guide and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really wasn't going for sexual there. I was really going for... I just felt like he would be helpful. <laughs> okay. He yeah. would just, no, I'm serious. <laughs> I thought he would just be helpful to their group. Like, if like if anything else, like, yeah, like, come join yeah. us. And then when they meet back up yeah. with Rand and Matt and them, Aaron would be a good person to have I mean, he's also yeah. clearly seen a lot more of the world than yes. any exactly. of our yes. yeah. group. Yes. And, and, you know... Like, when she's like, yeah, we're actually from whatever. And he's like, yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> I mean, that shows a, a knowledge about different areas yeah. and the people and the cultures. He seems mm -hmm. like a smart guy. Yeah. He knows where Tarvalon is. He he sounds like he might have been there before. Like, mm -hmm. you know, she might be under the same naive assumption that, that Rand is that all roads lead there. So we'll get there eventually. Cut to Matt sleeping, but his eyes are open. It's just weird, right? How he's sleeping. I mean, this is not a normal way of sleeping. I thought he was supposed to be just laying there, you know, yeah. not able to sleep. Like, they're... I, I took it as he was in some sort of trance. One way or the other, it's bad fucking vibes. Yeah, he looks real sketchy. Yeah, absolutely. Rand wakes, uh, or maybe he's awake all the time, I don't know, but he at least gets up and he turns over and he says, well, look, I'm, the light's on, he says, so. I'm here. You know that, right? No matter what happens, I'm here. Matt doesn't react to this. So again, I, I, it sounds like you sounds like your read on it, uh, Bree, was that he was awake. Matt was just lying yeah. there, you know, a bit before. I took it as he was in some sort of like halfway middle ground. Okay. Either way, he doesn't react, right? right. So we don't know how he feels about Rand telling him. I mean, I think that this is also a super like emotional thing that Rand is doing. And I think that other than around children and, and maybe like, People around his sister's age, yeah. he's he's nowhere near as uh, friendly and effusive and, and, you know, willing to play back with, you know, that emotional ask. And, 
like that's sort of the stonewalling that he's doing. Like I'm not comfortable with this, but like I guess that. Yeah. Well, but, maybe, but I just want to point out. Sorry, I just want to point out very quickly that like we did, we did get a scene, the scene of Matt and Perrin, um, where Matt was like very willing to engage in a sort of like emotional broy relationship. But that was him offering, right? Him sure. Not yeah, so, I'm just saying that we don't have like a complete yeah. blank slate for that That's being right. the but, case. But when when Perrin was offering him money in, I think episode one, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, okay, I'll take it. It wasn't like an, oh, thank you so much, I really appreciate it. it like, it's, like okay. sure, and, like it is an awkward situation. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, we cut to Rand's dream. He's walking, yelling for uh, Perrin, and we he sees Perrin hammering a body just. Over and over again, pummeling. He sees Matt with blood on his hands. We see a green being taken by what looked like to maybe Eyeless, maybe uh, a, a fade. I think that's what mm-hmm. was getting a green in this dream. Rain Did wake- it look similar to previous dreams that we've seen? Yeah, yeah, kind of. The, the fire eyes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, this I think same so. Dude or personage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I'm equating that with the fade, the the guy with the weird eyes. So. Another name for the fit is the eyeless. Right. Okay. Uh, but I'm still equating what we're seeing. The thing that, that, that yeah, energy yeah. in the dream, I'm equating that with this thing we're about to see in real life. Okay. Is that, I don't know if that's fair or not. You do you, man. Yeah. Well, no, I, but I mean, we, if, I'm if, I'm, if it's a, if it's a, it's a massive misread we need to say for the audience, but if, if it's just, we don't know yet in the story, then we can continue. I think we don't know. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah. it's fair to say the only thing that we have seen in, in life, not in the dream that matches that is the fade. But I think leave your options open that yeah. it might not be. Okay. All right. I think that's a good thing to just keep in mind. Rand wakes up. Tom is holding him. He says, all right, I got you. I got you. Rand says, where's Matt? And they run inside. See the farmer dead, wife dead. They see Matt. Matt does not look normal. He looks mm-hmm. very strange here. His his eyes are not fully open. His mouth is a, a little bit open. And he's just sort of uh, like sitting there. And of course, the we all infer, because he has a dagger in his hand also, we all infer that he has killed the farmer and the and the wife, and then he says, "I see you," and then we see a fade up in the attic, basically of this little farmhouse, and it looks like Matt is hunting the fade. And then I just took that to mean he didn't, Matt didn't kill the farmer and the wife. The fade did, and Matt was in there after the fade. That's my read on that situation. And what Sarah. we see when Matt points the dagger up at the fade is the dagger doesn't have any blood on it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I think Matt was there chasing the fade. Uh, after the fate had had already killed the farmer and the wife. Yeah, and he was also sword has blood. Yeah, and the and Matt at the when he's first there, he also has the black mm-hmm. as he's been as if he's been throwing up again on so his face. Maybe Matt is in in getting up and getting out getting out of his dream state and going after this fate is doing a small bit of channeling here, maybe. So I will point out that we did get I think in episode one that at least Lan can sense uh, Swamp, Like, he, yeah. he could sense the fade. Yeah. Okay. And so do we think that Matt maybe could sense him? I mean, is that why? I think that's an open question. Okay. Or if his dream Did had taken him, him I just want to say... I know you're careful yeah. with spoilers, but you can throw out, like, general concepts. Yeah, like, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, like, that, that Matt was hunting him and, and knew where the fade was. Like, we've seen that before. Like, there, yeah. there are people that, that seem to have this sense. Yeah, okay. Um, then... Uh, Oh, and did yep. you know, or did you notice that the the horses and the sheep are all like baying or brain and winning whatever before they go and find the fade? Yeah, they're freaking so out too. It's similar to like when they were back up at Brands 
cabin and the horses going nuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it seems like the horses maybe Something even could tell it's not, right. not right. Yeah. yeah. And if anything, they, they, I mean, the, the violence in the home, right? Probably. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, Tom screams, it's a fade. And Tom tells Rand to get Matt out of there and let's get ready to rumble. Yeah. Tom versus fade one on one, one V one. He pulls out like, I don't know, six daggers. He has a <laughs> lot of daggers, this guy, Tom. And he's just, he's willing to part with them. Because he's just flinging them at the fade, and they just go one on one, and then we t- see Tom, uh, or see Matt uh, and Rand take off as they're stumbling to leave. Matt sees the young girl dead. It pauses. It, it, Rand almost has to pull him away from her body. Mm-hmm. They get on the horses. They take off, and then they leave Tom there. So I, it, it remains to be seen who won the battle, Tom v. Fade. So one of the things that I think is uh, important to note is this is the first time we've seen anybody confront a fade. Um, also the mm-hmm. power of the fade because Tom throws a dagger full force and we've seen that can go through somebody's neck and just grabs it out of the air. Oh yeah. Yeah, the fade can, fade can rumble. Fade yeah. can fly. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to me that Tom feels like he can take it on. Why Why does Tom notice, hey, it's a fade. I'm going to fight this thing. It doesn't seem to me that a lot of characters in this world would have that reaction. It seems yeah. to me like a lot of them yeah. would run. Why does he feel like he can take it one-on-one? And... Obviously, we leave without knowing the result of that fight. I'm going to guess Tom beat the Fade. That's why I'm just throwing it out there. I think we're going to see Tom Marilyn again. We're going to see that he actually took down the Fade probably 10, 9 rounds. It was probably close, but he probably took him down. Well, I'm getting a lot of head nods. Wait to find out. Getting a lot right of head now. nods here. I must be broaching into some book territory. So Non-committal head nods. No, no. one's making eye contact. Yeah. That's... Uh, but I think one thing we can talk about is that... Um, Matt, Matt having a tough episode because mm-hmm. he sees the little girl. Yeah, sees yeah. the little girl dead. He really is struggling, and he also seems to be struggling with whatever's going on with channeling or whatever. Just a bad, bad time for. He's Mark also Adam. dropped the doll in yeah. the farm yeah. before they leave. Anything yeah. else on this scene? The farmers, R.I.P. 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 Okay, catch the next morning, and Nynaeve is watching land. She does a lot of that this episode. She does a lot of that in general. She likes to watch land. She follows him. Cut to the cave, and Leandrin is standing watching Karini. Um, uh, approaches her and says, uh, "Hey, look, you've talked to everybody else. You plan on talking to me? Basically, you're doing a lot of a lot of gossiping here, Leandrin. Mm-hmm. You can talk to me. Um, basically, uh, I think part of what she's asking is, you know, you've been talking about gentle in the sky, and we need to talk about, you know, your plan there, and maybe marine too, and all that stuff. Uh, Leandrin uh, shoots her a look and says, "It's far harder to keep a shield on someone than to break out of it." Hmm. Interesting. It's harder to keep a shield on than it is for that person to break out of the shield. Yeah, she sent something to know. She points out, uh, you know, it looks effortless. Uh, she points out that they have hundreds of miles to the White Tower. Ask her, do you really think uh, they can keep this up the whole way? Uh, well, when she, sorry, earlier she said, he looks effortless. That's mm-hmm. what she's pointing yeah. out. Is that Loghain, it looks effortless to Loghain, what he's doing right now. This is a lot of work for us. we got a long ways to the White Tower. Do you really think we can keep this up the whole way? She throws out that, hey, you know, if he broke out of it, uh, then we would have, I guess, all of the probable cause we would need to go ahead. Uh, and the three O's would allow us to gentle him. Karini says, the woman of the White Tower have stood for thousands of years. And the reason for that is that they have paws and they stick to them. Quote, and you, a red, should be the one reminding me of that, not the other way around. So really putting Leandra in her place there. So again, the red being sort of like the person who interprets, I guess, and enforces the laws to a certain yeah. extent. I mean, that's where I was going sort of with the MPs. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, they doing their best to make sure everybody's on, uh, on the right path. We see a cutaway to Logan during this and we hear his whispers. 
So I, that, that, that stood out to me because I thought if they truly have a blanket on this guy, would he really be hearing the whispers? Like I, that's when I thought maybe there's something else going on here. Maybe he's, he's more in control than it seems, or at least not completely blanketed in the way that they think he is. Uh, right as we cut to Lan, um, whoa, uh, who appears to be um, praying, and he sees Nynaeve walk up. She asks him what he's doing, and he says it's a ritual for his people, quote, seven times for the seven towers of Malkir. Malkir, yeah. For the home we lost, the home we shall find again in this life or the next. When the wheel spits us out in the next. I'm, I'm starting to figure all that out. <laughs> Absolutely. Lan pours some water on the ground. She asks him if he prays often, quote, when I need to. It's pretty much how everybody prays. I think. <laughs> pretty much how praying, yep. praying just generally works for humans. Nynaeve leans down, kisses her hand, touches the ground, and speaks some old tongue. Lan says, I know you speak the old tongue. And she says, I don't. Apparently, it's just something she remembers because it's the last thing her parents ever said to her when they hit her in the cellar during an attack on her village. She said she used to say it when she was scared. Lan said, why do you stop? And she said, well, people don't go to wisdoms for their ignorance. I didn't know what it meant. So I'm not going to say it. Like, it kind of sounds stupid, I guess. And Lan's like, well, do you want to know what it means? Nynaeve looks interested and nods. It's the last, it's what the last king of Menethrin said to his wife. Before the battle, they knew they'd lose. We shall go into the land so our children can always hold us and we'll never be alone. Nynaeve listens, nods, and starts to tear up. I think she's appreciative here of Lan. Um, I think she got a thing for Lan, but I also think she's appreciative of him translating what, what her parents had said to her. Uh, she says, you're not exactly what I thought you were, a Lan Mandragon. And what was that? A lapdog with two legs. Snap! <laughs> Lan, well, you're exactly what I thought you are. And what is that? Before he has a chance to answer, we hear something off in the distance. And here it comes, folks. Ah! Oh, man, the last 15 minutes of this episode are fire. Karini feels her ward starting to be attacked, and she says it looks like his army didn't run home to their mothers after all. And that's all the, I guess, all of the, the sort of foreshadowing to what's coming. Basically, Logan's army did not leave. Yep. Yep. They are coming, they and they are attacking. Found. They've mm-hmm. found them, and they are attacking cut back to land Karini and others and they look up and a torrent of arrows are coming their way and Alana Alana stops them holds them man it would have been helpful in the battle of the bastards to have (laughs) (laughs) she just she just holds holds all of the spears right there um there's a Yoda does something very similar in the Clone Wars. It's like a, a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. Like it, it really does give me Force vibes. This ability to like catch things midair yep. yeah. and like yeah. redirect them. Yep. I mean, that's very, very good parallel right there. Um, cut back to Leandrin and Karini. Uh, Leandrin says, "No army can get by seven full sisters. Why? Are we? we don't even need to worry here." <laughs> right as she says this, Logan's eyes open and he uses the one power to blow them back. So I want to pause here. I have questions. Yep. Right. I have a lot of fucking questions. <laughs> so here's what it seems to me, and I'm going to do a round robin here, starting probably, I'm going to start with Brie. Oh, it no. seems to me that Loghain, the, the blanket they put on Loghain, he was sort of letting it happen. And as soon as he wanted to kick out of that damn thing, he was able to do so with a snap of his fingers. He not only kicked back the blanket, he threw them into a wall and knocked him unconscious. So it seems like he was just waiting for his army to find him and to make his move so he could presumably get reconnected with his army and they could either take over the Asadai there or leave. Is that what your read was? No, I think that's pretty much accurate. I think one question that I have is, you know, very early on we have Leandrin, when we first meet Loghain, we have Leandrin say, I've blocked his ears with weaves of air so he can't hear anything. Well, it seems like he 
heard, knows, somehow was able to identify that, that his army was near. So that, mm-hmm. to me, is a, is a question of did he have those ear, you know, the ear blocks the or not? I think he certainly didn't, and he. I think he certain. I think he, he was able to tap into the one power enough to know what's going on, like a long way away from him. Like, well, but he also just heard them be like, "Oh shit." Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Things um, are on yeah. the boards. Yeah. Maybe. BJ, what was your read? Um, I I think that that he noticed that there was a lapse in and how they're interacting with him. So like he yeah, saw them focusing mm-hmm. on something else that like the words are broken. So he he. I think that they. You think are, it was a bum rush the door situation, and he just got through this time. That I, I think that's a possibility. I like. I don't think it's clear in the show, mm-hmm. like what exactly happened. But I think this is one of the possibilities where, like, they're looking outside the cave, and he's just like, "This is my chance. I'm gonna, you know, Break bum rush the door." Okay, so this is where, like, you you read a lot of fantasy, way more fantasy than me. You know this story <laughs> really well. I think I watch more television than you. Yes. And I can tell you that I think what they're trying to portray, I could be wrong. Absolutely yeah. could be wrong. But I strongly think what they're trying to portray here is that Logan was Logan was toying with them and that he was able to break that ward anytime he wanted. And it, the reason I think that is because of the force in which he did it. Right. And, and so it, I don't disagree with that. I like I, I think he he I think he might have been able to do that anytime. But I think that he knows that this might be a time to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's doing yeah. it now because yeah. of his army coming, right. right? And I think I think Bree was onto something. Maybe he was just he, maybe he just heard. Yeah. Oh, the army's yeah. here. It's mm-hmm. my time. But the fact that he could just blow blow them out like that, like that was a point where I kind of stopped and I was like, first of all, Lee's power rankings, Moraine is number one. But do I need to like get? Do I need to be a little Logan sympathetic here? Do I need? <laughs> maybe I need to get on this yeah. guy's side because holy shit, he mm-hmm. looks like he's stronger than all of these people. Yeah. Um, I thought he might have a real chance here to to make a move because that, that that display of power blew me back. So it blew them back. <laughs> uh, um, and you know, uh, just before we we go to you, Sarah, for for your reaction, uh, I think a good likening of the shielding is having like somebody tied up or like tied yeah. to a mm-hmm. chair for sure and so instead of actually like tying knots they're holding it and so it takes a lot of effort over periods of time um and so like he might have been testing a little bit before and so that's what they thought his strength was and and now like he's using his full strength yeah complete yeah that, that i think that that Rope thing is good, but I, I just got the impression that whatever ropes they had on him, he could have easily, he was t- he was toying with him. He could have yeah. broke through at any point. Sarah, what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, I, I think that he clearly knew in that moment that now was the moment to go. Mm-hmm. What makes me think that perhaps he was, like, feeling something, maybe he heard them talk about it. That seemed like a very specific moment to go. Maybe he was, ta- like, kind of tapping into something else, like, feeling his army coming Mm-hmm. into the picture in yeah. some way and the only reason that i kind of i think that might be be part of it at least is because while he could very easily get i don't know i'm really struggling with the like could he hear or could he not thing like that's where my real point of contention because like there is a possibility if you're rightly that he just could have heard everything they were saying throughout the entire time that he all. was in prison there and yeah. that's really 
interesting <laughs> and yes, concerning. I, I, is, yeah, I mean, my my read was that he 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 could have left. He could have broke out at any point. He heard him the whole time. Yeah, like I thought he was in, fully in control the whole time after he did this. And I wonder if that's like part of the reason why in the dialogue they written they put so much emphasis on the weaves of air. Oh, we know the weaves of air that um, you know are keeping him from hearing or working. Because obviously they're working. Well, we seem to be in a situation where nothing was really working. So, like, this could be a real problem. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not to say that 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 they could not put a blanket on him, right? Mm-hmm. Or shield on him. I think they proved that they can. Right. It's just that the effort that they were using before was not enough. And and I think that that he didn't want to didn't want to really show that it wasn't enough until mm-hmm. he wanted to make his move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cut back to the cave, uh, or cut to Stepan, actually, and he says they need to get back to the cave to Loghain. The army makes a run at them, and Alana throws the arrows back at him. Pretty baller move there. They retreat into the woods, and the sisters start using one power left and freaking right. It's just one power all (laughs) over the place to fight them off. It's a lot of them. They're coming from all over. Uh, It's a lot for, for the viewer to watch here. But what we get, what we get, is that they're overrun. It's more than they expected. And yes, the sisters can, Aes Sedai, can use the one power to fight off armies, and they are doing it. But it's more, and it's a more committed army, maybe than they expected, mm-hmm. right? Because this is a very, I mean, the king himself is in the front line, willing to die for this. Yeah. Loghain's army is really committed, and maybe more so than they expected. We also do get to see, though, the warders fighting, and they can they ball out of control too. They they fight really hard, and it's uh, it's really fun to watch. We also see Nynaeve fight. Uh, somebody comes upon her, and Nynaeve knifes somebody uh, yep. right up in the gut. So she gets into the action too. Cut back to the cave, and the cage disintegrates. Is that that's a, that's the there was in the he cave. Melts it. He melts the cage right around him. Completely goes away. Loghain, ooh, 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 shake it off. Shake it off. Uh, he's ready to go. He's ready to battle. Let's do this. And then Moraine walks in, and I think, go away, Moraine! That's what I'm screaming <laughs> at the television. I'm like, you don't want to mess with this guy. Holy shit, he's so powerful, you don't realize it. But what we, the watcher, don't realize is that she's not there to fight him. She's there to talk to him. She doesn't seem particularly scared of him. She says the others will be here soon, so we don't have much time to talk. And that's when I knew, okay, she's she well, she's doing a little fact finding here. She says, "Why should I believe you're the Dragon Reborn?" And I think his answer, God, is fascinating because he thinks he's got a great answer to this. He really does. Mm-hmm. He goes, "You know, um, I can hear them all when I channel. I hear all of the old dragons, uh, all the ones that came before me, and they are teaching me. They're teaching me how to do better than they did uh, because I'm the Dragon Reborn. They're they're kind of they're coaching me through this thing." And isn't that, you know, what the, the wheel wants us to do is to always be spit out a little bit better than we were the last time, which I kind of assumed maybe is the case. And Moraine cuts him down in the same way uh, she kind of did the, the sort of like out, go into teacher mode she did when they were singing that song they didn't understand. And she's like, let me let me explain to you a little bit about Manethrin. She kind of goes into it with him and she says the wheel doesn't want anything any more than a river or rain can want something. It's people who want Implicit in that, it's you, Loghain, who wants. Yep. Not the wheel. He walks closer to her. Well, what do you want? Moraine says, at this point, she sees the other sister stirring. She knows they're about to do a a counterattack here. And she says, I want you to know that the voices in your head, those are the whispers of madness. And as strong as you are, your power is a trickle. It's a pinprick of candlelight against which... Uh, the rage uh, against the raging sun that will be the dragon reborn. And so here's what I get from that is that she asked him, how do you, how do I know you're the dragon reborn? And his answer was, 
well, I hear voices in my head that tell me how to do this dragon thing a little bit better than the last time. Mm -hmm. And she explains, that's not how the wheel works. That's not how the being the dragon works. You're here. In that answer, she figured out, no, you're just like the rest of them. You're powerful as shit, but you're just like the rest of them. You just, you just, you just fell into madness. Mm -hmm. You're just crazy. And she explains that to him. And, and weirdly enough, in a kind of nice way. She's like, dude, I just want you to understand you're kind of nuts. And that's when the other two pop up and the three of them together. This is where we figure out that they can shield him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's everything they've got to shield yeah. him. Yeah. It's not like we were doing before where they could like, you know, hang out and like tell like stories and stuff. Like they, right. they their arms are locked in. You see the one power actually this time. Mm -hmm. And it goes on and it shields him. And he fights it hard. Yeah. He's fighting it very hard. Um, and... Uh, uh, then we cut back to Stefan, uh, or no, and, and as they're doing, so the, the three that are, that are doing this is Moraine, Leandrin, and uh, Karina, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And because when they put the, the shield on him, he has a sort of what, I, what seemed to me like a last ditch effort to fight back. And he shoots these like black arrows of, it looks like one power or whatever. And it gets through the, the 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 shield, which shows that to me that even when they're she, they're doing the hundred percent best they can, three of them all focused on this, he can still get something out of it. And when he does, all three come. One gets through to Karini, kills her. It looks like um, it looks like uh, Leandrin and Moraine were able to stop the arrow. So uh, so Karini actually sacrificed herself to block the. Um, spears from Maureen and Leandrin. She sees oh, that's it not coming. What I read. Oh, really? Yeah. That's not what I saw. So, so, so what I was thinking happened is that one, it's it's not the one power. It's the pieces from his uh, cage that he tossed at them, and mm -hmm. so it's something that the physical that they have to stop, even if like they're containing uh, the one power from like him affecting like things outside. But they were black. Yeah, they so, were so, by... so remember, like his cage was black. Or I thought it was gray, um, but it was also melted. Anyway, so not a hundred percent on that, but that's like what what I was thinking. And so, but what we got previously was that Karini is like really worn down. Yeah, and so like while Leandrin and Moraine are fresher, they were able to stop. That was my read. I still think, though, because she has this look where she she looks at Loghain and the things coming out of his shield, and she's like, oh, shit. And yeah. I think she's the one who, she's able to shield those two, doesn't have enough left to shield herself. So what mm. I thought is, like, she didn't have enough energy to protect herself so she could either keep Loghain in his shield or protect herself. And she's just like, no. Like, shielding Loghain in this moment is more important than my life, and we'll be able to to get it in. And so... So this is where we ask the audience. Yeah. All right, folks listening. Hold. Yeah. Go, either leave a comment on your favorite podcast platform or go to mangotalks.com or hit us up on Twitter. Let us know. What do you think, right? Do you think Karini sacrificed herself to save the other two, or do you think that she was weakened already and that look that she gave was really just like, oh shit, they're stopping it. I'm not able to do so, and then and then she died. Because I, I, my read was a little bit more of what what BJ saw, but I I I took this scene to be they were purposely showing us a lot of chaos. 
It yeah. was it was a yeah. lot yeah. going yeah. on, Absolutely. a lot yeah. going on real quick, and there was a lot you could you could infer either way. Sarah, what did you think of that? I, I honestly, I was so confused in this whole scene that I don't have a cogent <laughs> opinion to, to well, offer. We, you on just know she died. Yes, yeah. I I knew she was dead, and Stefan was pissed. Like that's well, <laughs> Stefan not pissed. Stefan looks like he. Uh, has like a s- small stroke. Like it looks like it, 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 yeah. to his yeah. core, yeah. it takes him. Um, I thought he was going to die right there. Uh, I thought they were setting it up where he would just like quit mm. fighting mm-hmm. and fall down. What we learn is that even when a warder loses their eyes to die, they don't necessarily die. He keeps fighting. He is yeah. he's definitely affected, but he does keep fighting and he takes down a few more of the people in the army. So he, yep. yeah. he doesn't just completely give up like all hope is lost, right? Alana yells for them, go to Loghain, I got this. I got, I got, a, I got another. There's levels to this, yeah. and there's another level I can go. My to. girl. Yeah. Yes. There's another level I can go. To. Shout out Charlotte Flair. There's another level I can go to here. <laughs> and so basically, when they leave, it looks to me like she just t- takes it up a level, and she does something that like lifts up, I guess, the ground or the trees or something, and it just like rocks the fucking the yeah. army, and it seems to blow back the vast majority of the army, and the king dies in this process. So they, they've been showing a little bit of this before, where there's like power tra- traveling underneath the ground and then like popping up and flinging uh, mm-hmm. some, of the, some of the soldiers. Um, but I think before this, it's been like one per Aes Sedai, and they've yeah. been like guiding it Focus. and, and focused. Yeah. And she turns her back, and then like a wave, like a half yeah. circle comes out. It's such it's a badass out. scene, and yeah. it, it, it appeared to me like that that took out most of the army, um, or at least stopped them for yeah a from, long from time. like continuing on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, and they they all they all run back, right? And we see the king fall dead. So the mm-hmm. king, um, I think, um, what what do you call like a externality maybe, or like. Um, uh, un, uh, a sad byproduct of this whole thing. I mean, it seems like the yeah. king was not a bad guy. It just seems like he didn't have a real strong understanding of everything that was going on and seemed to be convinced by this little gang character and then ended up sacrificing his yeah. life for mm-hmm. it, which is pretty unfortunate. Um, back, in the, back in the cave, Moraine and Leandrin are fighting to hold the ward onto Loghain. Uh, and Moraine warns Leandrin that she's pulling too much and that she'll burn out. Remember the conversation we had earlier where they talk right. about the queen yep. of Manethrin yep. and how she drew too much of the power, which does destroy an army in this in this tale, but it burned her from the inside out. And I think Moraine is warning her of that. Moraine seems to have like a little like, like like the you know like when you're you're on an arcade game and you've got your life bars, <laughs> she seems like, to you know, like you know. over everyone's head. I think in her mind she's got the life bar of the one power, and she sees that the like, Leandra's getting in the red, yeah. uh, and she's she's warning her right. And Leandra says, "I don't care. Kill our sister. I will cut him down." So what we're seeing from Leandra in there is that she's got a temper that can be while it's destructive for other people it can also be self-destructive it seems she mm-hmm. seems to really lose her head mm-hmm. at times yeah. which is and problematic so I wanted to to say that we we've got another connection to Manethrin earlier that we did talk about and so like I like that, that this is a through line that they have mm-hmm. um, and also um, it was it was super quick but when she was pulling too much of the one power you could see like her yeah. veins like lighting mm-hmm. up yeah. and not dissimilar to some of the things that you saw from Loghain when you know, he was being shielded and or trying to break out. Yeah, it, it, like almost like uh, underneath his skin was like moving or her or Leandrin. Yeah, her, and like, was, like, like jumping and moving. Mm-hmm. Hopping out, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then we see Stefan walk in. He sees Karini dead. He sees Maureen and Leandrin holding him and he stupidly freaks out. I don't know what he thinks he's going to accomplish here. It's a very, very dumb move on his part. 
Um, and he runs toward Loghain's and attempts to drive his battle axes into him. So his, his axes do seem to go through the shield mm-hmm. that they have on him, which is unfortunate. It, it would be great if it didn't yeah. go through the shield. Because when it did go through the shield, then he, had the he being Loghain, could shoot his one power into it. Because it goes to what BJ was saying earlier, which is he needs something physical to attack them with, mm-hmm. right? And he ha- at that point, he had the axe, right? And right. he was able to disintegrate the axe and blast it back out in almost like a grenade-type fashion, right? Yeah. Like it's just like shards everywhere just exploded yeah and so what i think they're doing with the shield is like one when it's tight to his body that means that he like can't affect anything with the the one power but when it's closing in he can affect everything that's still within like his his sphere yeah and so that wasn't completely closed because it broke through it was then it was in his sphere and he could he could affect it and then he he yeah. So I do want to point out here that I'm not sure that Stepan's actions were entirely harebrained. Other than, I mean, obviously he's kind of gone mad because of the death of his eye said eye. But he can't see any of those weaves that were seen. So he he sees the two eye said eye looking like they're shielding him. And he's just standing there. Logan's just standing there. So to me, I think he actually thinks that Logan is shielded and he is powerless. How's the the viewer supposed to know that he can't see it? Yeah, what they should have done is a a flash to his perspective in that moment. And without the way, I suspect you're right. Yeah, there's no way to know that. And so, so one of the things that they it's a quick thing that they mentioned, they definitely should have done that. That uh, Moraine says that um, we like you can't see the workings, like she can't see the workings of meth. And so, Mm -hmm. like, that was awkward. And I think you're maybe supposed to extrapolate that it goes both ways that that men can't see what women do and women can't see what men do i think that's too i think you it, might be right but it's too big of an no, ask. no yeah, way that you, you hold the viewer 90 yeah. some percent are going to think that he can see what we see yeah. yeah um even though i will point out that even if he couldn't see it i do think it's one of those situations of maybe let the eyes that i handle this guy Maybe yeah. hang back because mm-hmm. this guy seems to be a real problem. He just killed your Aes Sedai. Maybe let them deal with this guy. And yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I think one of his other you know pieces of thinking might have been like he might be able to see the struggle at least, and he's trying to distract Logan because if Logan has to think about something else, it's going to be easier to shield him and get him under control, and doesn't realize. I suspect that Stepan is, is a is a is a, um, a a character you like in the books. You, we, we all like I don't him in the think books. He exists in the books. He doesn't exist in the books. Okay, it seems to me like you're. Yeah, I, I, at this point, I don't even think the books have anything to do with the damn show. Because every time yeah. I ask a book question, you guys are like, "Hey, not in the books." So, but yeah, my, we're gonna have a weird, is, real that, weird second part of this episode. Yeah, yeah. But my point is that you, you seem to be yeah. sympathetic to the action. But so, I mean, but I don't think that they were writing it that for us to be because even Land yells, "No, don't do that." Yeah, to him. yeah. Giving the viewer the perspective that he shouldn't be doing it. Right. No, I mean, agreed. But I think it also, it it shows the strength of the bond that he and Karini had. Sure. And what some of the outcomes of that bond breaking could be. Yeah. So okay. what I will say is in the books, we do see instances of Anissa die dying and like what happens to their water. And that's why where I'm pulling like what his mindset might be oh I, I mean i know that he's just out of his mind i mean I, he's absolutely out of his mind but it's i think as the viewer we're supposed yeah. to think it's a stupid thing that he's doing. yes yes um anyway whatever the whatever what happens is that this axe completely explodes the shards go everywhere it seems to hit pretty much everybody except naive yeah right um 
Moraine gets it kind of in the like the maybe the, the, the kidney yeah. area. Yeah. Maybe kidney. Let's hope it's kidney, not liver. Kidney. <laughs> um, everybody seems to be hit by this thing. Uh, it looks like Leandrin gets one kind of up near her chest area, but who gets it the worst is Lan. Lan gets it right across the throat. Lan definitely dying. Yeah, definitely dying. Out. Yeah, yeah. Um, seconds yeah. away from dying. He knows it, and. I think Quentin Tarantino might have had a quick, quick input for from this scene. Somebody called him up and was just like, "Okay, we need something to have." It's like, "Oh, just have blood just spurting out of his neck." Like, let's let's do it. it. They want you to know that he is dying, and as he lays dying, um, Nynaeve looks down and looks at him, and it seems to me she thinks it can't end this way. Like this can't that that my 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 story with this guy can't end this way, and she screams, "No, no, no!" And seems to tap into the. The one power in a way that is completely uncontrolled, that is unpredictable. She didn't know what she was doing. It seems to shock Moraine a little bit. And in doing, in pulling the one power, we see it flow through her. Her braids go straight up. There's this imminent blue light. It blows Loghain back and everyone in the room is healed. Not just Land. She heals everybody. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think, I think, and I don't know that this is supposed to be 100% clear. I think... She did that because she has grown very, very fond of land in like a very, very fond way. And the, him dying is what she was upset about. I don't think she was after healing Moraine. I mean, no. I don't think she's no. against it, no. but I don't think she was after it. She emanated that thing because she wanted land to live. And she did. And she she healed everybody. And that really fucked up Logan's plan. God damn it. Like, you know Logan's got to be like, what the I just had everybody like I just like pulled pulled it you know pulled victory out. Now I got Anakin Skywalker here pulling from the force (laughs) as a six-year-old. Like how the hell should I have predicted that? And as part of being uncontrolled, I don't think she would have healed Leandrin if she could have decided. No, probably not. Probably not. Um, She she just. But and this is something that Sarah pointed out to me as we were watching. I thought it was a really good point. Um, Matter of fact, I'm not even gonna say it for you. You say it when she tapped into the one power, the, mm-hmm. the danger there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, well, and we, we just saw this with Leandrin um, when Moraine was saying, you know, you're drawing too much. You're, you're, you're drawing too much here. This is really dangerous. You could burn out. The, the scene of Nynaeve and the, the, the blazing the sun yeah. Yeah, yes. that comes yeah. up, you know, the, it is really, there's a kind of knife's edge as a viewer there for a minute because, mm-hmm. like, there's a real... Danger that, Danger she's, pulling that she's pulling too much and is, gonna, and is going to burn absolutely out. Absolutely, what they're going for, um, yeah. especially because she she's never done this before. She doesn't know that she can do this. She yeah, this is wild, Completely just wild in the world. Um, that she could easily be drawing too much. Now the fact that she doesn't I means she must be, and the fact that she can do all that happened without burning out is interesting. Yeah. Yes, um, but we do have a thread that we know that she can channel. Yeah. We know she but can she doesn't yeah. really. But that right. level. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm exactly. saying. She, she, and she doesn't. No, I 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's there, there's parallels to this in the Star Wars universe over and over again where <laughs> you have someone who's force sensitive who um, gets hyper emotional and in a scared situation and they tap into it in a way that's completely uncontrolled maybe helpful in that situation mm-hmm. probably something yeah. you don't ever want to replicate again yeah, yeah. you, you want to put a clamp down on yeah that and it seems like moraine has that look like this is really helpful here but holy fuck like this is dangerous for her and maybe like a, she filed that away i'm gonna yeah. i got yeah. a few lessons yeah. i need to teach and i need yeah. here later yeah yeah um similar to a, 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 a that that we had earlier where where like this is how you do it 
yes. correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Safely. Um, um, yeah, she's going to pull, she'll pull yeah. Nynaeve out in the woods <laughs> to, to look at a, do, do look a, at a stone. Put yeah. You in the chlorine <laughs> yeah. Uh, and here's the, here's the part, thing I want to talk about, right? Because I've, uh, to me, the most fascinating person in this entire episode by far and away is Loghain. And when Loghain looks at her, he first off, he looks shielded. He looks shocked. He looks at her and he goes, like a raging sun. I took this to mean, I want to do another round robin here. I took this to mean he started to question himself. Yep. As Absolutely. like, yes. I don't think, maybe I'm not the dragon. Yes. Like the, yep. I, maybe, yep. maybe the, I, the, what I just saw here is way more powerful than what I could do. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 it, and it, it surprised me and, and he's now questioning himself. And of course, when they all get healed, that's when Leandrin goes, I've seen enough. Uh, girls, give me your power. And when and and when she asks for it, even Moraine does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. she doesn't look happy about it. We get mm-hmm. a couple shots from Moraine. She looks distressed that this is occurring, but she does connect to her to give it looks like Leandrin needs the power of multiples to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And she does. She says to him, Let the hand of the tower fall on you, Logan Ablar, and take back. That which nature itself does not wish you to hold. With that, Loghain pulled into the air. You literally see the one power, which is like blackness coming out of him, being taken away from him, pulled from his body. He falls down to the ground, whimpering and crying. It seems to me that Loghain has been gentle and he's out of the picture. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, that's a, a good read. So I will say a couple of things that some one of the persons that works on the episode has commented on. Um which we is, had a discussion about. We, we had a discussion. We had a very long discussion about. Um, and so before I, I go into that, do you think Logan could see Nynaeve channeling? Yeah. Okay. And so so what I will say is... That's why he said like a raging sun. Somebody on, on, on the, the show said like she, he can't actually see her channel. And what I think that we're meant to... Why would he say that? Think about the sun. So, so what I think happened is there was a ton of one power going, and so we see like the dust getting lifted up. And my guess is that the light that's coming from her isn't the one power. Like some of it is, some of it's the weaves. But like every time we we've seen the the one power being channeled, it's in the, the these uh, like wisps of power that are being moved around. And this was just like a ball of light that just came from her. And so. I, I think that might have been like a distinction that we're, they were trying to kind of make, but something you know that that one of the people that, that consults for the show has said, which I think is super unclear because everybody else is just yeah. like now like. Well, she so, said. I mean, saying, I mean yeah. you see the yeah. big imminent, thing, yeah. and then he says like a raging sun. Yeah. And as right. we've established too, like even if that is what they meant to do, like we have not gotten enough. like at all information to even know that men aren't supposed to be able to see the weavings. So, you know, people who had not read the books would not know that like, hey, other people are not able to see the Yeah, because the show isn't portraying that at all. Exactly. They've got some work to do. And they basically just mention it casually. So, but I think all in all, this was a really great scene oh for sure and yeah i mean it was in the tragedy of Loghain. i mean yeah to to learn in that moment it seems to me that he learns in that moment wow i'm not the dragon look at look at what like what she did somehow that connected to him that he's not the dragon reborn he probably took in moraine's lesson that what he was hearing was madness Mm -hmm. and he got gentled in the same moment just completely completely cut off and when you see him fall to the ground crying uh it seems to me like he he 
that lost so much of himself. Like I, I was having this conversation with Sarah. Like it'd be interesting to see: do we see that character again, or does he just fuck off into the wilderness? Um, I mean, presumably still an army, but like, I mean, is the army really going to follow him if he can't tap into the one power? No. Probably not. Um, but with their but I do think, yeah. but I do think if they if they want to sh- if they want to, t- uh, I don't know if they want to have this gentling thing be like an absolute like gravity in this world, right? Like if you get gentled, you absolutely hundred percent never can tap into the one power ever ever again. If they want to do that. Then they should just let Logan go off and, and never be heard from again. Yeah. If they, but if they want to test knife. that, if they want to test to see, yeah. maybe maybe if you're super super powerful with it, you get gentle, you can get back into it or something. I don't know. Like if so, he's the person to do it with. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to go that route, but if they want to, they have established this fucker was so strong. He might be the one to test it a little bit mm-hmm. if they want to go that route. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they will or not. But either way, what a tragic ending to my guy Logan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, Maureen, Maureen doesn't seem super happy about this turn of events. Stefan is holding Kareen. Um, Lan holds his throat uh, as it's healed, just stunned at what's just occurred. They all look at Nynaeve. She seems a little embarrassed, but then we get the close-up comic book look on her face, and she seems very determined. Close-up of her face is the last scene of the episode. And there you go. There's your recap. Good work. Very nice. Good job on the recap. Once yes, again. Yes. Very, yeah. very strong episode uh, for sure. So, we let's, have the rest of our segments. Yeah, let's get to um, let's segments get, two through ten. Through those. Um, so, I think we've had a lot of the theories and speculation. I think that maybe going forward, that's a great thing to just pepper in. Yeah. To the recap. Yeah. Um, yes. Exactly. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I, I did weave in some of the theories and speculation, but I do have like a like like stuff of well, yeah. stuff to predict. Okay. Like, yes. So, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have that. Okay. And then the the power like we'll get to the power rankings. But right now we have. Uh, Tavern of the Week. Ah, and, what character uh, wins? Yes, the the the, the winning character. Oh and God, what a so, tough one! So yeah, man. Um, I I am gonna start out and and take the easy one because I want to see where other people go and say Logan. See, that's hard though, right? Because of the tragic end. Because of the tragic end, and and um, you know, I but I think he's so fascinating because. And this actor does an amazing job because we get a lot of description in the books of what he's supposed to be like. And I think he really pulls it off. Like, he's supposed to... So he's a character in the books? Yeah. Yeah. He he, he is a character. (laughs) Fair fucking question. Yes. Exactly like that. Yeah. Okay. He acts like that. You're supposed to get a sense that he's regal even when he's in his cage. Yeah. And, like, you get that. I did get that. You get his power. You get everything about him. He has a super interesting story that is, you know, 20, 30 minutes, if that, of the episode. And so I think he's fascinating. I think the actor did an incredible job. He he was the the character of the episode for me. Okay. Great. Sarah? I think that that is a great choice. That is perhaps the obvious choice. (laughs) But actually, I'm just going, my criteria for this episode is who did I just like the most Mm -hmm. in this episode? And I, like, I am in Alana's camp. A thousand percent. I loved her. I loved her so much. Um, I loved that. And, and, you know, I talked about this a little bit during, during our discussion earlier, but like, she is the first of the Aes Sedai who really starts to humanize them as like, oh, they can be funny. And, like, have pasts and stories and things like that. Yeah. Um, her and her two warders, hilarious to me. Love everything about it. And then we get her in the fight scene. And oh, boy. My God. 
that a woman can throw down. Like, yeah, that yeah. is, that was really, yeah. really cool. Um, yeah. so I, you know, She's perhaps a dark horse for yes. the episode, but I, I loved everything about her in this episode. Good pick. She is a, she is a boss out on the battlefield. Uh, I'm going to go Moraine. I know it shocks everybody, <laughs> uh, but here's my justification for going so Moraine. Like, Two out of four episodes a year, like Moraine. Absolutely. Well, he took. I mean, he took Logan. I mean, like uh, <laughs> I think I think Moraine because here's here's why. Because she first off, she shows selflessness with the other Aes Sedai, mm-hmm. even though she knows they're a little catty and how they talk about her. She establishes that when with Alana, she goes. I'm sure they are. They wanted you to do this to get information from me. She knows they talk about her behind their back. Doesn't care. She's willing to be selfless to take the burden, even after she just dealt with that wound. Just got out of bed, getting healed from that. She takes it on and she does something she's not comfortable with, obviously. It's very hard for her to, to put this this thing on him, yeah. uh, the shield on him, but she does it anyway. And then when he gets free, um, she doesn't lose her head. She doesn't go crazy like uh, Landrin and say, well, wait, kill the guy. Like She doesn't do that. She's like, look, I, I'm going to have a conversation with him and talk with him. And she shows humanity to him even in that moment and says, dude, you got to understand you're actually just crazy. I'm sorry to tell you. Like she, she actually has some pity in her voice when she says it to him. And what I think she's just, what in this series of scenes in this episode to me, it seems to show that um, she's she could be a really good leader of the Aes Sedai. I think, um, and I think they need to look at her as a potential leader. The way that she she held herself in a very difficult situation in this episode. And also, has the the massive set of bronze balls to just. He's not shielded. He can do whatever he wants through yeah. whatever power. Yep. And she just like walks up to him and is just like, hey, like, I know you think you know the power dynamic here, but like, we need to have a conversation right so now. So there's some faith in her own ability, mm-hmm. um, but she kept a level head. And then I also think it shows her ability to read the situation. Mm-hmm. She could, she knew that this guy is not just like evil incarnate. He's not just out trying to kill, 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 murder, murder all the time. She knows that. And so that's why she's willing to go up and have a conversation with him. I think she showed a lot of leadership qualities that even though she's a weirdo and she's not sleeping with her warder, I think some of the some of the Aes Sedai should look at her as a potential leader going forward. Fair enough. Wow. I think all of those are really very good. You have to nominate somebody. I am. I'm going to. Yeah. So I'm going to follow this all up. Finishing the end of the episode with 98. There you go. It was someone because yeah. <laughs> she is the raging sun of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. We also do, though, get some really nice parts of her earlier in the episode. You know, like her sitting with the warders around the campfire. Like, you see her sort of relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. Joke with people. Like, she she is human. Um, she's not just rage. Even if she is a raging sun. Um, but then also... She actually, I, I really like this actor or actress in that she has a lot of emotions that go across her face at so many points through this that I thought it was really neat to see her emotional breath in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I'm going to pick Tavern of the Week. In fact, in my notes, I had as a two-parter. So for the first part, I was going to go with Logan, And for the second part, I was going to go with Nynaeve. But... Gotta pick one. Gotta pick one. <laughs> mm. Well, we have the dragon's fang on one side. Gonna hold you to it. So I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go with the dark horse. Actually, I think Alana really <laughs> did great. Wow, look at that. Represent right. the third way here. Like, Upset of, of the week. That we're, is. We're running. We're running. That is. That is very gracious. I'm not sure if it's warranted. No, but she's such a fun. She was an unexpected. She was really cool. Really yeah. 
you know, yeah. and she's just a side character, really. But she was really well fleshed out. And part of the reason that I, I felt sort of comfortable picking her is that she is sort of really fleshed out interestingly in right. yeah. and and dynamically and, and in a multifaceted way. So I thought they did a great right. job and, with her. And she makes the Ace of Dime more interesting. Yes. Just yes. being who she is. Mm-hmm. She fills out so much of who the Ace of Dime are with very little screen time and mm-hmm. very little interaction. And yet we see the intellect of Marine because she says, if we're going to have a war, (laughs) it's good to have you on our side. And what do we see later? She actually stops an army. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Leadership qualities from Marine. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, Gleeman's Corner? Gleeman's Corner. We're going to do quotes and conversations. Woo! Great quotes. Who's up first this time? Um, I can go first. Um, I will go with. And uh, possibly take somebody else's. Do you know what Aesodyne means in the old tongue? It, it means servants of all. It is they who serve the world. And then we get a quick question. What does that make you from Nynaeve? And Lan says proud. And so I, I, I just really like that it really fills out like what, what, who the Aesodyne are, who they're supposed to be. And then, like, how, how Ren feels being part of this, like, greater organization. Um, and and I, I feel like it just gives a lot of depth to, uh, to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Brie? I, I think there are a lot of fun ones in this. Um, I don't know that I, I had one that was like, oh, absolutely, this is it. But I did love Isla's speech about her daughter um, and, you know, the what greater revenge mm-hmm. than, than peace, what greater revenge against death than life. It's just, it's a very soulful moment um, for her. So I like that. I think that's a really good one. I think a lot of this stuff about the way of the leaf is... That was probably just cards on the table going to be my first pick as well. Um <laughs> Don't worry, I have another one. But I do think that we talked in the second part of the last episode about how disappointed we were that like the the idea of the tinkers and the travelers mm-hmm. and their philosophy had not been expanded on. We hoped it was happening in this well, episode. Gotcha. And it did. Yeah. yeah. So th- I thought that was great. Um, do you want to go with your... I will. I'll go with mine. Um, it's uh, Moraine talking to Loghain and showing, showing such humanity, but also... Like you called it like bronze balls of steel. I don't know what you call it, but guts. Real serious yeah. like faith in her ability and willing to put her, put her neck out there and saying the wheel doesn't want anything any more than a river or rain can want something. It's people who want. I want you to know that the voices in your head, those are the whispers of madness. And as strong as you are, your powers are trickle. It's a pin, pinprick of candlelight against the raging sun that will be the dragon reborn. And the raging sun was really important because that obviously landed with Loghain. Yeah. So for mine, I am actually going to go back to the Tinkers um, as well and go to the scene directly before that one because I think um, for what was so striking to me, it's it's an, a line from Egwene, who we don't get a lot from this episode no, at all, but animal. her moment um, talking to um, Aram when, you know, he's sort of questioning the way of the leaf and, and all of the, and particularly this, this the one song, yeah. yeah. When she goes, are you sure you haven't already found it? And what I love about that, I mean, it was a really effective line and a really affecting moment. And especially in this sort of like one moment of real sort of peace and joy that we get that we don't frequently get in this show. Um, But what I also really liked about it was that it kind of instilled in my head this 
also with um, Isla's speech later, those two peaks together for me was uh, something that made me think, oh, this is this is a, a process, right? This is something that you choose. Not like for me, for me, her understanding of the one song, which I think is really poignant, is is not a song, like a song out there. We're not deep in the lore. The one song is something you choose um, and that you enact and you live every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that her take on that was um, like much, just much more human than all of these sort of big meta narratives that we get about the myth and the mythos and the legend. Right. It's just like, no, this is what we do. This is what we do every day. And you get up and you do it again. And when the wheel spits you back out, you get up and you do it again. Right. But I also think the other nice thing, you know, as I was listening to you talk about that is the nice thing with Egwene's pointing out like, hey, look around us. Mm-hmm. You know, are you sure you haven't already found it? Mm-hmm. Is it also reminds us and them not to take things for granted, yeah. live in the moment, like, yes, strive for something better, but also realize like, hey, there are good things. Yeah. And they're happening right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm going to uh, give a runner-up and that that I wanted to mention as a line of the episode um, because uh, for me, like, there, you know, maybe I'll choose some that are just entertaining. We'll see, you know, how, how that goes. But, you know, fill, really filling out the lore of, of this yeah. world. Mm-hmm. Um, so a runner-up is what does a crown mean to the dragon reborn? And then he follows that up with, there's a place for anybody, anyone at my side, even my enemies. Yep. And that it's so good. And, and like, I like that it fills out so much more of, of like what the dragon reborn is, spo- what the dragon is supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's not just, you know, uh, an emperor that, that is above kings. You know, it, it is, in, in, in Logan's words, somebody who is meant to fight the dark one and, and, have the following of everybody around him to do so. Bind the world. Yes. Um, but it is not the line of the episode. It just needed to mention. <laughs> the line of the episode is is 100% from Moraine. Um, Lee, you have it that this time um, where, you know, she, she is talking to Loghain that the voices in, in his head are, that is the madness speaking, and then your power is a trickle, it's a pinpoint of candlelight against the raging sun that will be the dragon reborn. And again, this this just tells us how powerful the dragon reborn is. It tells us more about the madness and and it just Rosamund Pike delivers lines when she has to. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. All right. All right. Big win so, for me. Um, we have some theories and and then my favorite part of the, of this part one. The Dragon Power Rankings. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so the the I alluded to this in my recap, but one of the theories I have is that I think that we're going to get a weird tension with Moraine and Lan, mm-hmm. because I think Lan is going to get to a romantic relationship with Nynaeve. And okay. I don't know that we have any sort of precedent in this world for like the, the warder having like another, like a side piece basically, and then having like the, 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 the main squeeze there that he's not doing anything physical with. And Moraine might get jealous. She also can feel him in a weird way. So I don't know how that connects her to Nynaeve. Like, I just think it's going to introduce a really difficult dynamic in their relationship. Uh, they being Moraine and Lan. And, um, yeah, I mean, you have this sort of like 
the, the, the sexual will they, won't they thing. And maybe there'll be some of that, but like, I think more so what I'm interested in is how will that affect Lan's ability to be her warder? Um, because I mean, Moraine is obviously integral to, to finding the dragon, taking the dragon to the, the, the tower, all the stuff that the Aes Sedai have to do in this world. I'm sure they're going to have some battles with the White Cloaks. Like, she's very important. She needs a, a committed, capable warder next to her. Lan has been that so far, but if he gets in a romantic relationship with someone else, I wonder how that's going to that's going to bear out. Because, I mean, obviously, Nynaeve feels something for him. That, mm-hmm. that thing that she did, that wasn't because, like, man, I really like chatting with this guy with a water cooler. <laughs> yeah. like, that was powerful, right? So she feels something for Lan. So that's that's kind of uh, where, I, where I think of that. And the next thing, uh, and the final thing I have, is that I will be very, very disappointed if we don't hear any more about what happened to Loghain. Now, maybe it's as simple as, oh, did you hear Loghain slit his own throat? Like, okay, that's fine. But yeah. wrap that story up. I don't want to just see him whimpering and crying, and that's the last thing I ever hear from that character. So give me something else, show. And before the end of the season, by the way, I don't want to hear this in season two. I want to know in season <laughs> one what happens to Loghain. Uh, because he was an entire episode. There's only six episodes in the season, right? Yeah. He's one He's one Eight. of six. He's pretty yeah. important. Eight. Yeah. Eight? Yeah. Yay. So, <laughs> and... and as a character and the actor portraying him are super engaging. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, we know... How cool would it maybe... be if, like, his followers kept following him? That would be pretty yeah. neat. It would be like, very if, strange. If, yeah. they were like, if they were like, yeah, he got... he Yeah, they, they did that to him, but, like, I still, like, trust in his leadership and his judgment, and I still like the guy, so, yeah, let's go fight. That would be a cool wrinkle, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I don't know. Do they know maybe what that means? Go back yeah. And yeah. Be the king. yeah. Maybe. Or, or maybe it would be kind of neat... If they if they they tug at that they tug at that that thing of like oh well it's an absolute that he can't get back into the into the world mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know maybe not but I, I hope I want them to round that out so those are my two things cool cool dragon power rankings I thought that we were completely <laughs> ass upside down I thought we were I thought the whole thing was screwed <laughs> with, up with the title of the episode you thought like you were just gonna know absolutely or, well okay. I thought I thought Logan was good because yeah at the end so. At the end of the last episode, the dragon power rankings were very clearly Egwene, mm-hmm. Matt a little bit lower, and then we had uh, Rand, Perrin, and then at the very, very last, the floor, under the floor, we had Loghain. That was dumb. Loghain should have been way <laughs> fucking higher. Way fucking higher. Um, but the problem is, is that I have to do this this ranking at a moment in time. And the moment of time yeah. is the end of the episode. If I yeah, did the right. dragon power rankings in the middle of this episode, like Aang might be number one over Egwene. Yeah. But I had to do it at the end. Yeah. And he's been gentled. He can't be the dragon now. He can't touch the force or whatever. He's still number five. But he's you have this theory end. that, you know, he might yeah. be able to break back out. So he's still on the rankings, right? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. the other thing. Until he I'm... dies, he's still there, but he's yeah. number there five now. The other thing that I would posit is... Alana did raise the what if, what if mm-hmm. we have inadvertently gentled the dragon reborn. That makes him still not like he's still the dragon reborn. Maybe. I don't know. He's just that gentle. Yeah. You, you got to think, though, that like if somebody truly is the dragon reborn, that they're not going to they're not going to get themselves in such a, a situation to be gentle. I mean, I, I, I think if he was the dragon reborn, I don't think he would have done some of the things that he did. I don't think he would have shot the damn axes at everybody like a damn crazy yeah. person i mean that was absolutely <laughs> unnecessary there's some stuff he was doing that i don't think the, the true dragon would do he's number five still perrin pretty darn close to him is right there <laughs> at the end um i still have rand at three matt is way higher because matt is it seems like against his will 
tapping into the one power. It seems like he doesn't even want to and it's happening to him. So I'm going to, I'm, you know, I, it's still the same rankings, but it actually okay. really changes because Matt was a distant, distant second to Aguin and now he is 1B to her 1A. All right. Okay. That's interesting. All right. That's the power dragon, dragon power rankings. Weirdly enough, didn't change, but there is some movement. There's some Just know there's nuance. Yes. There's nuance. There's how close and, they are. You know, you, you have to address the rankings at the end of the week after everybody's played their games. You can't do it like, you know, halfway through and and and, and just say, oh, they had a really good game. So yep. back he, to where we start. He, he fought, he lost, and now he rests. Let's look in. All right, then. All right. Part one out. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you next week. May you always find water and shade, Lee. (laughs) Perfect. Welcome back to the spoiler-filled part two, where we talk about, um, we we have a number of segments, um, and we we fit this in with the books, and and so we've read the books and have ulterior motives and knowledge, and can actually talk about it now that it won't spoil everything for Lee, even though I do a little bit. It's going to be real spoilery for me, because I don't know what the fuck is going on right now. (laughs) Um, okay, so so the three parts that we have are reading the pattern, where things fit into uh, the so far to the bigger book picture, then the weft and the warp, which is how things have diverged from the book and how we feel about that, and then disappointed dark friends when people on the internet complain, and sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, um, and we'll make decisions about that. But with reading the pattern, um, and I think what I'm going to lean this a little bit more towards is how the show is setting up things that happen later in the books. Um, and so I was super happy, and, and Sarah, this is a bit of a spoiler for you, that they've actually done a lot more to set up the relationship between Nynaeve and Lan than in the books because it happens and it's kind of out of the blue. That is not a spoiler for me. What happens with the relationship is a little bit of a spoiler. Like, I don't know where it ends up, but like the fact that they are into into each other, I I certainly know. And it was obnoxious in the books that it was like, like... Lan gives Nynaeve, like, this ring that he has, and it was just like, and, you know, there's some conversations between Moraine and Lan, like, are you, do you have divided loyalties? And and everyone's just like, they barely looked at each other. Like, <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. Um, Looks are tantamount to marriage. Yeah, exactly. But they have done a much better job with it in the show, because it is obviously clear in right, the show right. that there is something going on there. Yeah. Um, I also really like... And find it fascinating that Lee has this, Logan is an important character, he needs to come back, and... He's gonna come back somehow. And that gentling isn't permanent. Which and is glorious. Yes. Um, so, this so is, is like, is so that... Because so. I really don't know. So everybody at this time in the book, and yeah. in the show, but everybody believes that gentling is permanent. Right. And even yeah. during the Age of Legends, they believed that gentling was permanent. Mm-hmm. Nynaeve heals 
Logang. And oh, that wow. It's the first time that anybody has reconnected someone's connection to the source. Oh, yeah. man. So it, it, is, it is this beautiful, perfect, like. That's fascinating. Like when you said that, I was like, Oh my yeah. God, you have no idea wow. how close you are. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, yeah. And so it's not quite about power and it's an oh shit moment for like everybody. Mm-hmm. And so when it happens, they're like, all right, well, what do we do? Like mm-hmm. all the eyes like, that I are like chickens in a flock. Like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, yeah. And it's also like, okay. do we gentle him again? Like, is that really fair? Like, is that a reasonable thing? Because like right. it's permanent. And like, this is something that we think we need to do. Yeah. That's another thing. But like at this point in the story... Like, Rand has already declared himself Dragon Reborn, and right. so it's just like, well, if we're allowing some, like, a man to channel and be out there, like, can we really keep doing yeah. this? And so, him as a really interesting character coming back... That's that's really interesting. Yeah. So, um, I'm just gonna ask questions about that yeah, are yeah. completely spoilery, because I'm just interested, and I'll forget by the time I get to these <laughs> books anyway, it's fine. Um, I'll wonder if it happened in a dream. But... So when Nynaeve heals Loghain, mm-hmm. does she also heal his madness, or does he come back? No, mad. She, she doesn't. Right. Um, and but and it's yeah, also I, spoilerly. I like. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't like care. Can, yeah. Nobody can heal this madness either. Like okay. once they have a madness, mm-hmm. they're not supposed to be able to be healed. Or basically, all of the strongest heal, healers can only sort of provide some sort of like buffer against the symptoms mm-hmm. and he heals somebody with the madness mm-hmm. that has a madness oh interesting okay so see that yeah so that's really sort of the spoilers for that is like there are those are major plot points in the books at different points where you get that um the other things that i really liked about this episode and how they're setting things up is that we get a lot of lore about i said i how they work how the different Aja's interact with each other and that there's this a Merlin seat and that too I think is really really cool because now we get this sense of a power structure um and so it's it sets it up well I think and we get a lot of information about the warder bond and I really like too the way and the, I mean the books do this as well but like we don't see the Merlin seat for a long time for yeah, an so entire like, book yeah, really exactly. <laughs> but I think they're doing it really well on the show because it's been she's been talked about so much. Yeah. She has become this almost like power figure, power mythical figure out there. As has the sort of idea of Tarvalon right. um, and the White Tower. Like I really like how they're kind of circling around it, circling around it, circling around it, and we're we're gonna get there. And I'm really I'm really jazzed about that. So the other thing, one of the other things that I wanted to talk about, which is big spoilers, sort of. Um, which we really get in the books is a lot more about Lan. Mm. And so what I didn't want to talk about when we were going through the actual scene with between Moraine and Lan is yeah. that um, what we know about Lan's background is he is an uncrowned king of the Malkyrie and basically is this like tragic character where he has lost his homeland and yes. has been pledged to win it back and so for me, that look was like, this is one of the things that like, you're helping me with this. I'm also like going to do my best to throw back the shadow to retake the 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 seven towers, you know, retake Mal- Malkir 
And we also get that reference in Lamb's Prayer. Yes. And so, like, that to me was such, like, a nice book thing that they're, like, really setting that up. And that's really far, like, into the books. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're also getting a little bit of that bond between Len and Nynaeve and her understanding a little bit more about his past that, again becomes really important yeah like becomes really important is like really important to like later in the books and isn't set up as much in the books as it as it is in the show which i really really do appreciate it and one thing about i hadn't really thought about it i mean i knew that was going on with this prayer scene particularly but one thing i hadn't thought about when watching the show that um that strikes me now is that that scene really shows not just we've talked about the differences between individual Aes Sedai and mm-hmm. kind of how that's new for us and we've talked about the differences between individual warders and how that's kind of new for us yeah um but the fact that Lan is like physically separate doing something ritual based mm-hmm. completely away from everyone else at this camp is striking mm-hmm. no one yeah. else is doing this this is a very personal thing um, you know, within the show, we don't know what that means yet, but like it, that is more different than the other differences that we're seeing, if that right. makes sense. I also like that, that, uh, Nynaeve makes it very purposeful. I mean, she goes and she follows him, which, you know, is a little bit weird, mm-hmm. but she makes it very obvious that she's following him. So he notices her coming. Mm-hmm. Like she makes no attempt to sneak up on him. Right. Yes. And it's like, I hope I didn't disturb you, which was a nice like at Even least comment yeah yes you were disturbing um, him yes <laughs> like, yes you absolutely were. were but like you know yeah you know you're just angry with everybody so your flirting is going to be real weird but then that she also takes the step to once she knows that he's praying she takes the step to then also pray yeah yeah um i thought it was just a like nice humanizing moment for Nighty. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh, you do know how to interact with people in the world sometimes. Sort sometimes. Of. So th- the other thing that, you know, and we've talked a little bit about this, but now that we've been really introduced to Lan being of a completely different nation, I think that it makes the leather headband that he wears, like that, that difference in costuming a little bit more apparent. And we did talk about it a little bit in the last episode, but mm-hmm. um, so... Sarah, do you want to like you? I think you had a little bit that you wanted to say with that. Oh, not specifically with Lance's costume, yeah, but um, just costuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because I did, we did talk about costuming in the last in the last episode. I had my two major issues with the yeah. costuming, and <laughs> I have many more smaller issues that I could bring up. But I don't want to. I don't want to just sit here and bash on the costuming because I think that they did something really interesting and something that I appreciate in this um, in this episode that was critical to the storytelling um and Brie you brought it up on one of our trailer pods but this is the first time we really get it in full mm-hmm. full view is that for the Aes Sedai particularly um they have within their colors that they're wearing related to their ajas they have given each of these Aes Sedai like individual costumes and they're individual costumes that are evocative of sort of elsewhere Mm -hmm. and each has an individual elsewhere as well and this is part of the reason that i liked alana so much in this episode is like her costume was real cool she's arafeli yes and she has bells in her hair like they do in the books oh cool cool. that's yeah that's neat um you and know, I just always imagined them to be like two pigtail braids, mm, pigtails. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> like I, I think this I think is like a much, yeah, this yeah. is a much like more interesting representation. And you also saw like her 
I mean, especially going along with her certain character traits that we see in this episode, like she had a much more interesting dress, mm-hmm. a much more uh, kind to her body type dress yes. than Moraine does. No, and... it's like actually like she's clearly dressing for herself as yeah. well, right? right? Whereas Moraine is like clearly wearing things that are serviceable, right? Um, and sort and like in service, Alana yes. Yeah. Um, that Alana was wearing things that were like very much like ah, they're just shit that makes you feel good in the yeah. world. Like <laughs> she's got some gold chains. Yes. Yeah. Who yeah. doesn't like gold? Because she likes it. Yeah. And then we also get with these other Aes Sedai that we have, particularly in the battle scene. And the last scene where they all kind of start streaming in to help with that final, um, with the gentling. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a, a red Aes Sedai that has a headscarf on. Um, we have a whole bunch of other Aes Sedai. We, you know, even in, like, Karini has her own style going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Leandrin has choices that she's, she's made. She's <laughs> yeah. severe. All things severe. So I just, I wanted to, to highlight that because like, while I still am not super in on the costuming as a whole and have issues with it, I do think that they are, um, as I said in the last episode, probably within the constraints of their costuming budget, yeah. um, making some thoughtful choices around yeah. that. And also we saw so little of our like main four that I didn't have to look at those fucking coats <laughs> yeah. for an entire episode. So that was pretty cool. Fair. Um, Fair. And so the last thing um, that I want to say in terms of um, reading the pattern, um, and, and you're welcome to, to toss another thing in, is that I, I hope, and it would be very entertaining to me if this was a conscious choice, that Moraine being very internal is of her heritage. So the mm-hmm. Karnanen are supposed mm-hmm. to be, you know, very like flat exterior, very not stiff. give a lot away, you know, and that plays into how they do their politics. But um, as we mentioned, the truth that she told that she is from a fallen house is a hundred percent true. She is noble, and the Karhinen and especially the nobility are known for for this quality. Mm, okay. Um, and so I like that not only do we get that in her acting, but we also get a reference to that from Karini and a couple of other people who Alana seems to be friendly with her, and I think that's reasonable to say that they're they're friends, but like understands that this is a part of her, um, and, and I do appreciate that. Yeah. So did you want another... Uh... I would... I just wanted to mention also, I love the, the book tidbit that we get with Birgitta showing up? Yes. Mm. Have you, Sarah, have you no. met Birgitta? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, no. So so she comes up later in the books, um, and she is fantastic. She's a hero of the horn, um, which means that she gets spun out, you know, every time. Yeah. Well, she gets she's, called she's by the horn of Bayer. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and anyway, so she, she ends up with um, Nynaeve and Elaine when they're oh, doing some traps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so... But anyway, so she's a super badass hero that has a silver bow mm. with her. That's sort of her classic thing. And then she has her hair in a braid. So I love that the doll had braids. Yeah. Um, and, and that she, she always, always wanted to see the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that she protects when everyone's yeah. asleep, which is really Which is such cool. an, an even like an even yeah. cooler thing because we find out that the heroes of the horn exist in the dream world. Oh, interesting. When not, okay. When they're not in the physical world, when mm-hmm. they're not in a body, mm-hmm. um, they exist in, in Teller Android. Yeah. they're going to say that. Okay. Yeah. In the cool. dream world. 
And yeah. so, so like those things together were just like a really cool, at least book nod, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But on to uh, the weft and the weft and the warp of the weave um, changes from the books and how we feel about them. Uh, I well. Lee hit on a big one. Steppen doesn't exist. Yes. Uh, neither does Karini, as I remember. I think uh, she might be briefly mentioned in the yeah, spring. But like not not a major not mm-hmm. a major character, like um like this whole inner like how Logan is interacting with everybody is completely different. Um also Tom Marilyn, like we do get the fade scene, which is similar, but like everything else is very different. The, 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 the right. jingles are, are like a completely different family. Mm-hmm. Um Elsie, With the daughter that makes eyes yeah, at Rand. That, that makes eyes. Oh, that's Rand. right, I do yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I can do without that in the show, yeah. thank you. But yeah. also, <laughs> like, and she and shows up good. later in in the books as sure. uh, and plays somewhat of a role. So like they're they're diverging a lot here perfectly fine with the Grindwolves being different. Yeah. Like, um, I think it was interesting to have Karini and Steppen be there. I mean, I think that it's useful in terms of like showing things in the book that we wouldn't be able to have otherwise, like how waters react to when their Aes Sedai die, mm-hmm. um, that Aes Sedai like do get tired, things like that. Yeah. Um, I, and I think we're going to get a little bit more out of that yeah. based on the trailers um, I think we'll get a little more run out of Steppen. Yeah, and so and and he is a good character in the show yeah. too. Like I think he does does a lot in that. Like you were saying, VJ, yeah. yeah. narratively they do a good job. But you know the actor was good. It, I think I thought it was a good addition. So one of the things that I I'm not as much in love with um, is really sort of leaning into the we have to like give some points to everybody else being the dragon reborn and like mm. really making mm-hmm. this matt thing be like well is that the corruption on satan that, mm-hmm. that's happening rather than like everybody's going to be like wait a minute that that was you know mashadar Why? which we don't yeah. even yeah. like really yeah. get anything from from shader logoth yeah and it doesn't look the same it doesn't act the same which is kind of okay but like then that twist is going to I feel like that twist is going to like pull the rug out from some people. Yeah. And I think that there's no real reason to be leaning into it looking the same. Yeah. Yeah. I I do think that that's going to get, I do think that that's going to get confusing. And if they're, when they, when they make that reveal, I hope that they have done some more. Well, yes. Our, our, our eternal struggle because he is he is a real nothing of a character right. in and, this show like even this this episode oh. I feel like we got some stuff from him but it was literally like he's honest and he he tries to go talk to people it's the least yeah. interesting like, stuff right. okay characterization you can that's do it's yeah yeah that's just you being a farm boy mm-hmm. like there's nothing yes else. yeah yeah um, although i will say there was a cool little hot second flash when um they're mucking out the stable and all the dust is floating in the air, and you get a, a shot of Rand, mm-hmm. and it highlights his red hair. Oh, like interesting! Red hair, red hair, mm-hmm. red hair, and mm-hmm. we just, you know, last just yeah, yeah. got that. So I think it's, it's with there. the Aiel, is that yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's there. Um, so yeah, it's there in yeah. the in there in the trappings around him. Right. It is not there in, in the character right. himself. And and so like I think. One of my frustrations is like I, you know, he's gonna come up eventually, but he's not really on the radar, which I think is a problem. And I think that that they're gonna suffer 
with not differentiating everybody who's still important. Mm-hmm. And so like they're taking so much time for everybody to start finding their thing. And, and admittedly, it doesn't really happen well in book one, except for, and I don't know if we'll actually see him, and we've been talking a lot, uh, Bri and I have been talking a lot, with whether we're going to see Elias uh, Machero mm-hmm. Machero, because it's in the, this tinker scene that we get him, and we get all of Perrin's wolf things. Yeah. So... You know, we still have time with the Tinkers that it could happen, but I think it's super unlikely because of sort of what's what we know is left to happen from the trailers in season one. Mm-hmm. So I I think some of the changes I really, really like. I think there are a lot of uh, character interactions like Lan and Nynaeve that fell really flat in the books. I, I think Robert Jordan didn't ever write romance. romance. Well. Mm-hmm. And... and that's not uncommon in fantasy. Sure. Um, yes. And, you know, I, I don't know. He's definitely not the worst. Um, but Ooh, it, it leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. And I think the show is picking a lot, up a lot of that yeah. slack. And I will say that I am now at the point in the show, so we're halfway through the show, this season of the show, mm-hmm. four episodes in. Now at this point, I'm going to go back and rewatch the trailers because I kind of know what is, like, obviously I know what yeah. has happened. Um, but you know, one of the things I was really struggling with in the trailers was that I didn't know going into it because I did no research about what was going on with the show or anything right. like that. I didn't know who was what character, right. what would, and so I was like, what am I even watching here? Yeah. Um, so just now I think is the right time to go back and watch the trailers and be like, okay, this has happened. Right. This is what we have left and to true. do. And, and even Brie and I both did like a much deeper dive um, into the trailer and everything else. And I thought that Steppen was Tom Marilyn. And like, I just, Oh, I never thought that. Didn't oh, interesting. Like not uh-huh. on purpose, but like, I yeah. he was the one that was explaining about who the Ace of Die are. Cause mm-hmm. we got this quote, like uh, that, do you know what uh, the Ace of Die means in the old tongue? Oh yeah. And, and I thought that was Tom Marilyn because Tom Marilyn is the one that explains all this stuff mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the the well. I was about to say the Edmonds Field <laughs> Five, but the two rivers. Yes. Um, another change, which I, again I don't disagree with. It it's it's fine. Yeah. So I do have one other thing is about the three O's and Leander and saying if Logan was to break free, the three O's would allow us to gentle him. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that rings quite true in the books that I remember. In that, I think the three O's... Uh, gentling is not seen as an act of... Of killing. Of killing. Of violence. Yes. Or of violence. Uh-huh. And so I think I think it's fine in the books. Yeah. To I mean, gentle even if he's mm-hmm. shielded. I, yeah. And so I, I think this might be like a, a situation where she like told the Amarillan or the Amarillan told her like, you can't do this. And she said, yes, okay. And yeah. That's like what I think it might be a like, lie thing like a as opposed more, to, like, yeah. Convoluted, mm-hmm. But, you know. I'm also not sure. Sorry, I don't know if you know this yet, but she's yeah. black in yeah. the books. Mm-hmm. I think you got to that part. I'm yes. not so sure that this Leandrin we get is black. Yes. Or at least not I'm not, black. I'm not sure either. I think that she's sort of pissy. Yeah. But I don't and think that, men, yeah, but I don't, but I don't think that's, I don't, I, I don't have that impression. I have not, I don't think we have gotten. We've got, we, I don't think we've gotten to a part where it matters. That's probably either. fair too. And yeah. so, you know, there's some theories that people have that she's not black yet, but that will happen, mm-hmm. um, which I think is an interesting way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other side is like, she could definitely be black now. And 
that's why she can like lead people to gentle the, these men yeah. against the wishes of the Admiral in Sea if like the other Reds with her don't know or whatever mm-hmm. else. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see what, what that ends up Yeah. Being. I also, I honestly don't remember how uh, Aram yeah, leaves Aram, in yeah. the books. It, it happens way later. Yeah, that's what I thought. But they're sort of setting it up that I wonder if he will leave with... Earlier. With, it feels like... Gwen and Rand. It yeah, feels there, like yeah. he's going to. Yeah. Um, which I hope so, because like I want to spend more time with that actor. I think yeah. he's great. Um, they've done a really great job with the character um, and yes. all of that. So he leaves later when there's a massive Trolloc attack, I think, on yeah. on the, uh, the Tinkers, and they don't do anything. There's definitely a massive attack. I think it was Trollocs, but I'm not super sure about that. And he gets super unhappy about that and, like, goes the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. A little bit evil. Yeah, he gets gets real serious about his sword. (laughs) That's what Isla thought about doing. Yeah. 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 He took took the opposite choice. Although I did like that little call, you know, picking up the spear. Yeah. And that's the, like, divergence, you know, very, very early after the breaking, you know, between the Aeol and the Tuathon. (laughs) (laughs) The Aeol picked up the spear. Mm, Yeah. mm. And so the way... Again, this is spoilers, um, but the the way of the leaf is uh, something that the Aeol practiced before the breaking. And so them veiling themselves like has to do with that and like the one song like comes from that so there is an actual one song it's a little mm, kumbaya-ish and a little weird Mm -hmm. there's some interesting things that that come up up about it that they may do um so so yeah it was it was a cool callback shall we go into disappointed dark friends i think we have a little bit that's separate this time yeah i wanted to i've been trying to like the internet is the internet, so I've been trying to tease out what will be a productive conversation for us to have instead yeah. of what are just complaints on the internet. Although I think, from my very limited understanding, there has been a, a renewed rally around the show in a lot of mm-hmm. corners of the internet, too, which is gratifying to see. But we talked about it at the very end of, of part one for this episode um, of what exactly is going on with Nynaeve the sea, scene Logan. with Nynaeve yeah. and Loghain. And that was one thing I kept seeing on the internet where it was just the questions of like, can somebody please explain to me what is happening here? Yeah. Which was so interesting to me because as we talked about, um, you know, I I did not have in my head at all that men couldn't see women's weavings, that yeah. that would even be an issue. I hadn't put together that her magic her power yeah, looked different than, yeah. or that it looked different than the weavings that we had seen either. I thought it was just a supercharged version of it. Yeah. So I started reading these questions about like, what the hell happened here? And I was like, are you all idiots? I think it might be a little more complicated than I was anticipating in that moment. There, I mean, but again, I think that they're streamlining stuff and, and you know, again, this might've been, really hard to portray and you know as you mentioned it's just like you know then you'd have to like have somebody with a point of view that they can't see and it's just like then it's harder to understand and like not anywhere near as important and so and you'd also then have to have another scene of somebody going back afterwards to explain what had happened so that we as the viewers were cued in on why couldn't step and see the right and it's just interminable like then we start getting into the territory that we keep 
we keep talking about of like how much is too much for show don't tell and yes and they've done a very very good job of skirting that right like they've they've done some lore dumps but for the most part they're trying really really hard to make this mm-hmm. engage, engaging watchable show for the non-reader that then gives them enough information that they stay happy and excited about the show yes so um, I need to draw a dragon's fang on uh, the door of somebody because I apparently live with a disappointed dark friend who was hilariously angry about Moraine having a puppy because oh, yeah. dogs don't <laughs> like a sedai, a female a sedai, cats do, and that, that there was this huge change that it wasn't a cat that that liked her, it was that that she liked. It was a dog was unimaginable. Brie, do you have anything to add to this explanation I, of your I disappointment? very little defense here other than I think it would have been better if it was a cat just <laughs> because that is the lore. However, BJ did bring up a very good point. He was like, well, that's kind of echoing the, you know, cat, women, dog, man. Yeah, it of, does become a like, little bit of a... to have yeah. that in this. Like, it's it's a not maybe a great way of looking at things. Yeah. Um, I did think... You could maybe make like a, a very loose coloring of how this might track is that Alana is thinking about you don't, as I said, I, you don't necessarily own dogs, but they might be yours in mm. some way. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder, like much, much later, she bonds Rand against his will. And so I think she's thinking about leashing as a as a as an act like being able to contain the dog interesting okay but i was just like that's probably completely throwing (laughs) crap against the wall yeah yeah and so what i what i will say is that having dogs react badly to uh female is would also get in the way of how they're having animals react i assume to the madness Mm -hmm. and the corruption and so like the the horse that didn't like Matt, but we think that's for other reasons. But like that being a general thing, I think that then it'd be hard to be like, all right, well, dogs don't like female Aes and cats don't like male Aes but like everybody is a little like un- uncomfortable about the corruption. It Like it just, it builds too much. And I think this was a good way of being like, there are issues with the corruption and animals can sense that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that is, I didn't know that that was a thing that is interesting though. I kind of like, I like a dark friend that really likes cats. And so she heals all the cats in the city kind of deal. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. Cat ladies, they, they are crazy. Grim sure. Yeah, sure. Marilyn. Not Mar- <laughs> I don't remember. Anyway. So, so like, it's a big thing, um, with the, the whole cat. Yeah. But it's completely just fluff, right? <laughs> like, yeah. A it's one bonding thing, moment right? between. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Do we have other things we want to talk about here? Um, I have one small foreshadowing that I'm super excited about. Let's do which it. Which is in the the dream with um, when Rand is walking up and he oh, sees yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Matt, or sorry, Perrin just yeah. wailing away at, at his presumably dead wife. Uh-huh. Um, you have Matt with a bloody hand. Yes. And he ultimately is leading the band of the Red Hand. Oh, interesting. Now, yeah. Like, that's really yeah. cool. Be what it is. That's yeah. really cool. Um, so that's it. Oh, yeah. That, so that is cool. So a lot of people on the <laughs> internet... Going with something else? Well, a lot of people in the internet think that's a tinker, not his wife. Um, and there, there are a whole other... like, And so his interaction with Aram, that later, like, he... Aram basically, not quite a warder, but basically takes up arms to that extent. Mm. And, like... Like, much later. Gloms mm-hmm. on to, to mm-hmm. Perrin. Mm-hmm. And so, like... 
him like forging like a a tinker into like that position mm. and, and like there's other things like that but interesting who knows we'll we'll have to uh see and find out but yeah the bend of the red hand thing is is I like that. that that's the thing and it's it's cool yeah all right well this has been a lot of fun yes uh, yet again and i'm really looking forward to next episode because i don't know <laughs> where what the they're heck's going. gonna happen uh, now we're in like mysterious territory yeah. really but i mean this like I, th- I think that there are a lot of things that they're gonna hit um and so like again they are really following i think the intent of the story which yes i do like sincerely appreciate that that is what they're doing where like they do like take some characters together and split some characters apart or whatever you know it's fine but generally it's a lot of fun the spirit is there um so the next episode is blood calls blood and you know we've been trying to figure out what that is um but we don't really know so excited to find out yeah